This episode of Chat Grab on Cheap Hops is brought to you by zenpop.jp. Use the link in our description for $5 off your next order by using the code GRAPPLE. Welcome everyone to another very special interview episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man, JB. How you doing, man? You feeling a bit worse for wear after the uh, weekend of debauchery or are you feeling all right, fam? It was a mad weekend up north <laughs> for me. I am fighting fit. I'm feeling fine. Do you know what you need? You need a bit of Ico Pro, bruv. Um, oh. Well, maybe would, uh, you could... <laughs> send me off to the bathroom real quick. Need some Ico Pro. This is uh, get on Redbubble and check out Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast on there. This is the Ico Pro Jack Awards hoodie. You could be repping like a champ. Um, but anyway, enough of the cheap pops and plugs. JB, we've got another. We were supposed to do another review, and we've got another interview ready, lined up, bro. Man, this is, uh, again, these these come out of absolutely nowhere. As always, we send out our links and our chats and our hopes and our dreams and people get back to us. People, they do. People want to set the record straight on what other people have said. That's correct, actually. This is, this is where we are at this at this stage. And what else can we say? You know, this, this, this next guest is... Um, He's not going to take it easy. He ain't. I think he's got a lot to say and we fucking love it. We cannot wait. He has been there, done that, got the uh, specifically uh, specific T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado, man, I think, what do you reckon? Get into it, bruv. Let's get this party started. Yeah, baby. Welcome, everyone, to another very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man, JB. And today we've got a very, very special guest, and we are blessed to have him give us some of his time today. He is a WWE WrestleMania main eventer. He is a Slammy Award winner. He's also worked with other promotions, big ones like Zero One, Lucha Underground, Glow, and he's got his own podcast as well now, Life After Three. We are here with the incredible Marty Elias. Thank you, Marty, for joining us today, bud. Hey, man, thanks for uh, having me on. You know, I like I said, you know, in our in our pre-talk, you know, I I really don't do a lot of podcasts interviews and the fact you know that i'm starting mine up or you know i'm i'm five episodes in right now um you know i i'm, I'm getting pretty accustomed to it and uh I, i'm enjoying it and you know i really have some things to say i mean you know at, at, at this point you know i'm not looking to go back to wwe uh i'm not looking to join any other promotion out there and you know let's be quite frank shall i is i could give a flying fuck about aew i mean really <laughs> so yeah so i'm good man i'm good and, and, and again i don't want people to, when they see this i don't want people to 
take the impression, you know, that I'm disgruntled or I, I hate the business because I don't, I embrace it today. Did I hate the business? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people involved with professional wrestling hate the business for what it is and what it's done. But again, I, I've moved on for that. And, and, and I was able to go and achieve some cool stuff, you know, post WWE and, uh, you know, seeing what the landscape is today with professional wrestling, it's, it's not a place I want to be. And it's not a place, you know, that I feel that I need to go take my talents there again, because I already achieved what I wanted to achieve in professional wrestling. And uh, nobody's ever going to take that away from me and nobody's ever going to, you know, outdo me. So, you know, for all the haters and, and people who, who doubt it, or even people today, there are companies, you know, who think that, you know, I don't have any value. They can go fuck themselves. Real simple. Oh, yeah, man, that is, yeah. Perfect way to start. Um, start? Yeah. <laughs> Marty, I, I went back and I decided to watch, I'm diving straight into this one. I watched that match from WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. You, of course, refereeing. Now, my main takeaway from watching it before talking to you, because I ended up watching you quite a bit more than the match itself, there was one spot in particular that just it just encapsulated the the right the perfect like refereeing move there was a cross face spot that was going on michael's had undertaken a cross face and they shifted a little bit to so i think it was their left or undertaker's left and instead of you cutting across in front of the hard camera you went around them and stayed right off camera like that was just for me that was the the best like that was the perfect spot because Right now, referees on other shows will prance freely in front of that hard camera, block block off the visuals and the facials of, you know, the people working in the ring. And I thought, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I, thank you. You know, I had thank to you. thank you. I had to say it. You know, otherwise I'd you know get annoyed. That I yeah, didn't. yeah. You know, I I I really appreciate you noticing my my work. And, and I say that loosely work, you know, because that's pretty much what we're doing. We're working. Um, I was trained properly. I, I was trained correctly. And that was one of the things, you know, that you really had to get in, in your head is that you're working a hard camera and, you know, you only have these two sides, you have the back, but then the front while we stayed open. And unfortunately, you know, some people, kids or up and coming referees or, people who assume they're, they're referees, um, they're not being taught that, unfortunately. You know, they're not being taught how to work and how to be a great referee, unfortunately. Uh, I had the privilege and honor of working with a lot of the greats like Taker and Sean and, and things of that nature. And I learned and I listened. And when I got into this business, I didn't get in to be rich and famous. I got in to be the best in-ring performer I could be. And if you see my career, my body of work, I think I achieved that. And I, I achieved something, you know, that nobody can ever take away from me. And the fact, you know, that I'll forever be tied to Taker and Sean, not a bad thing to be tied to. Definitely not. I mean, again, Jordan saying he, he's, we watch it. Because when we have people on the podcast, we always go back and we watch bits and bobs that they've done, matches or promos or whatever. And it's, and it's quite strange kind of 
to to watch a match and kind of focus on the referee because you some you know a lot of the time your work goes unnoticed but until it's you've got a shit referee then you notice how bad it is but Which when there's got, plenty of those on tv today oh dude fuck i mean we, <laughs> there's, there's there's specific ones that don't warrant action figures but do have action figures but um oh man yeah i mean it, you know it you you only notice the referee really when they're doing a bad job so you know yeah, when you're yeah. doing a good job like you you know it, it kind of goes unnoticed which i suppose is the point though right yeah, but, but here's the thing that kids don't understand today. And I'm going to say that word a lot, kids, because obviously they, they, they don't know how to work. But the thing is, in order to be a great referee, you need to be there but not be there. And I don't think that's being, you know, ingrained in, in, into these up-and-coming kids or, you know, these potential referees. When, when you're a referee like that, it's not about you getting yourself over. Aubrey it, it's not about getting your shit in Aubrey um because look you're there to enhance the match you're not there to take away from it you're not there to take away from the boys people aren't fucking paying to see Marty Elias they're not paying to see fucking Aubrey and that's the thing and, and again it, it's it's a different it's a different time but when I broke into the business you were taught that this is the way you do it. And unfortunately, people aren't training like that today. And it's sad because I know for a fact that a lot of the trainers at these companies, whether it be WWE or AEW, well, AEW in general, Tony Khan doesn't give a flying fuck about referees. That's why they do whatever. And I know this personally because I've been told that from QT Marshall and a few other people. And he just doesn't care, you know? But that's all on him. And that's what happens when you're a fucking mark with money. You know, you really don't care except getting your shit in. Mm. But that's here or there. But when I broke in, I was taught the right way. I, 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 I broke in with Jesse Hernandez in Southern California, School of Hard Knocks. And he taught me the basics because he was old school. And I'm really blessed and honored that I was able to get that tail in of the old school because that's been ingrained in me and that's how I roll. And a lot of people today in those companies can't handle old school because they think it's irrelevant or didn't matter. But again, professional wrestling has had a formula just like Coca-Cola and McDonald's and, and such that that formula just continues to go, you know, make its way. And, and that's what you do. But unfortunately that formula in professional wrestling has been thrown out the window and everybody wants to get their shit in today and nobody wants to work. Um, so is it a sad thing? Yeah. But again, they have people there training up and coming wrestlers and referees that have never been to the show themselves. You know, they, they've been in indie darlings. And I, uh, there's one, one guy that I know who is there with WWE. And I know for a fact that he, that he treats people like shit. And that's Pat Buck. Uh, because I've actually seen emails and correspondence. So he, he's training people and he's booking people for NXT and stuff. And he has, has never made it to the show, you know? So how can you have somebody like a Pat Buck who has never worked the WrestleMania? He's never worked the Monday Night Raw. He's never been on the road. And he, he's done what he's done. I don't know really what he's done. 
But again, how can you have somebody like that teaching people WrestleMania or Monday Night Raw or SmackDown when you yourself have never, ever done it? And the reason I bring that up is because if I was going in for surgery, brain surgery, which everybody knows that I've been kicked in the head a lot. If I was going in for brain surgery, I would want a doctor with 30 years experience. He's won awards. He, he, he's well-known. His reputation precedes him. Okay, the, you know, th that's cool. But why, why would I want to have a guy with three or four years in who's maybe done 50 operations at best and he hasn't really been in the sh shit of things? And I don't know how he's going to react. But I know the guy with 30 years who's a teacher who's got these certifications and, you know, has all these accolades. That's the guy that I want working on me. And the same thing holds true for professional wrestling. So why would you have an indie darling, indie-tastic guy or girls who have never really done anything training these kids how to be WWE superstars or AEW, whatever? It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, but it's just changed. And unfortunately, you know, they're, they're allowing these things. And you know, the reason I say that is because Jim Cornette always says it best. And, and I live by this too. Professional wrestling was a lot better when the marks were on the other side of the guardrail, you know, now the marks are behind, behind the scenes and that's, that's not helping anybody. So there you go. Uh, I, I mean, you're, you're right. And the, the thing that specifically annoys me and, and, and Jordan that we've spoke about with AEW particularly is they do have a few guys that do have that experience in the company, but they mm -hmm. seem to just be fucking ignoring them or, or the guys who are there just think, fuck it. I just want to keep getting my paycheck. I'm not going to rock the boat. Um, you know, you've got guys that have got huge amounts of experience there behind the scenes, but it just seems like, like you say, certain people are running the show that don't really know about the show. Um, Amen. You know, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you as well. We saw um, there was a, a ladder match in AEW the other week, and it was Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. And in that match, the referees were, it, I mean, I'm sure you might tell us that it happened in WWE, but we never saw it, and that was how it's meant to be. But they mm. were, like, actively holding the ladders while spots were going on, so the ladders weren't falling yeah. over and stuff. But it was like, it wasn't like the, the, the wrestler said, hey, man, hold this fucking, hold this ladder for me. And then they went and held the ladder. Yeah. It was like, you know, the way they did it, it was like it was scripted and they knew what was going to happen and they were blatantly holding these ladders for these spots. I mean, what do you think about that kind of thing? I myself have been guilty of holding a ladder or a table or something in, in position, but, but, but here's the thing. It's all about timing. It's all about when you do it and how yeah. you do it. And you need to do it in a way where you're not distracting or taken away from it, that you do it very subtly. And I, if you go back at Lucha Underground, because I watched some Lucha Underground matches, which I haven't watched in fuck five years. Uh, th there was the uh, all night long with Johnny Mundo and Willie Mack. And uh, there was a spot where Willie was going to go up and do the frog splash off, off of the top of the ladder. And I remember watching that. And I remember shooting that and doing it is that it, it was all about 
the timing and I knew when to be there and how I needed to hold it. But I, I wasn't there physically wrapped like this around the fucking ladder and holding it up and looking it up, making sure yeah. the guy's doing the spot. It's a very subtle art form. And unfortunately, the art form that I was taught by a lot of the greats, that's that's lost now because people are, again, trying to get their shit in and look at me, look at me, look at two and all this shit, you know, so mm. it, it's a matter of, of training. It's a matter of learning how to do your craft the right way. And unfortunately, people aren't learning the craft the right way. And I I don't see professional wrestling anymore. So. I, I hear things and I get clips now and then from people who send it to me who want my opinion privately, which I do give. Uh, but I actually sat down and watched um, AEW last Wednesday. And holy shit, man. I was fucking embarrassed. And I was, I, I, I was terrified at where the business is today. And the fact that these fucking yahoos are, are, are getting away with calling this professional wrestling and to me it's a complete insult and you were mentioning referees and rick knox who i love to death and who i actually hired for lucha underground thank you very much uh, he did a tag team with penta and Pac, and it was against uh brody king and somebody else some other big dude with the sweat and you know the tattoos and rawr, those type of guys Fuck, we've seen it all. Okay. So they went out to the crowd and they were out there for God knows how fucking long. And they're just doing whatever they're doing. And then they come back into the ring. And then 30 seconds later, I think it was Brody King who had Penta in the corner and he was, you know, choking him or he had his, and, and, and Knox starts fucking counting one, two. And I go, Rick, what the fuck are you doing? You let these guys run fucking wild out in the stands and didn't do a, a fucking thing about it. Mm. But yet you come into the ring 30 seconds later and somebody's in the corner and you're giving them a five count. Does that make fucking sense? No. But again, it's just going back to the mentality of where people are and allowing this shit to happen. And, you know, it's, it's sad because I know that there's some really good dudes there agent wise, like Jake and Billy Gunn and, I know Chavo was there for a minute. Um, you know, Jericho's there. You know, so a lot of these guys should know these things. But I really feel AEW at this point for those guys is just they're collecting a fucking big paycheck from an owner, Mark, who is glad to have them around. And, you know, fuck, man, why are they going to ruffle feathers? Fuck, I'm getting a great fucking fat paycheck. You know, why am I going to say anything? I'm ready to fucking retire. And unfortunately, that, that, that's, that's the gist of it. I can only give my opinion of that because I'm not there. But from being somebody who's been in the business for a long time and knowing how people think and, and, and what their MOs are, it's, 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 it's kind of sad, you know, to see that, that that's allowed. And, you know, it, it's being allowed in WWE, AEW, NWA, MLW, and, and all these other companies. And, and the fact, you know, that they're allowing this, to me, it doesn't give professional wrestling the validity or the credibility that it once had. And the fact that, you know, guys like myself and Chavo and Bob Hawley and Paul Roma and Al Snow, we don't have jobs at these companies because we're the old school guys. And a lot of these guys have egos and are so sensitive and don't have fucking thick skin that guys like 
us are in, intimidating to those type, type of guys because they want to go do fucking Circus Soleil and flippity doo and, and collect a paycheck. They really don't give a fuck about the art form or, or the craft anymore. You know, to them, it's just we're doing it and we're going to do it however we want to now. And, and that's a thing for me being involved with the business is that at a certain point, Vince McMahon would always pull in the reins and say, no, you're not going to do that. You know, and, and they had agents there like, what, what, what the fuck are you trying to put in this match? And it was like that. But now it just seems from what I've heard and been told is that there's no agents at AEW and everybody kind of has like a free for all to go do their shit. And when you don't have any type of quality assurance, I call it, you know, where anybody's like, like checking the boxes, so to speak, to make sure that these matches are going to be what they're going to be. It's, it's, it's really fucking sad. And watching AEW last week, there was, I think, three different spots on the apron with, uh, I guess it was Mox, Moxie. Is that his name? Moxley, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, against some guy that replaced Spanky because Spanky made some comments or whatever. Yeah. But I think like 10 minutes into their match, they did a spot off of the, uh, um, off of the ring apron. And then it was Nyla Rose working, I think, Ruby Riot or somebody. And again, five minutes into their match, boom, they do one. Same exact fucking spot. And then Punk and the MJ dude, mm-hmm. they do a fucking spot. So there's three of these spots on the same show. And I looked at that as like, who the fuck is monitoring these things, man? Because that was always an unwritten rule with the agents and the boys is that, you know, people, people that, that, that were doing certain things, you made sure that nobody else was going to do what you were doing, especially on TV. And there's where producers, you know, w- would get together and whether it be Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, uh, Dean Malenko, whatever, you know, like they would always converse and, and, ha- and communicate, you know, that what was happening to making sure that Joe Blow over here wasn't doing that. And when I seen that on AEW Dynamite, I went, who the fuck is, you know, keeping an eye on the fucking hen house, man? Nobody is. It's, it's like the, the inmates are running the asylum again. And it's funny because people ask me my opinion about AEW. And to me, AEW is WCW 2.0. That's exactly what it fucking is. And you know, Vince has been doing this a long fucking time. And the fact that Tony Khan and everybody thinks that they're, you know, going to be that number one. Come on. This is Vince McMahon you're fucking talking about, man. Never, ever fucking count Vince McMahon out, even today. So there you go. Uh, I, I think you're right as well. I mean, we heard uh, comments from Big Swole, who worked at AEW, and she said that literally it was like a free-for-all. So you've just got the boys just basically chipping in and saying, right, we're going to do this, 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 and this. WCW! <laughs> you know, there's no um, there's no script writers. There's no um, match agents. There's not nothing like that. Um, so you, you're right. That is why it is like the uh, inmates ruling the asylum at the moment. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, you know, they can say all they want about AEW, but you know, Vince McMahon is Vince McMahon. WWE is WWE. I mean, you know, he's been doing this a long fucking time, and trust me, th- there's been a lot of companies or marks with money who have come in to try to do things and even impact who was tna when they tried their shit and stuff and 
you know, never, ever count WWE or Vince McMahon out because Vince knows what the fuck he's doing. You know, I mean, Vince McMahon has been running a successful company conglomerate for years and years and years. Tony Khan is a smart guy from what I've been told. And, you know, he, he's, he's a very good human being from what I've told. He takes care of the boys, which is God, God love him for that. But you, you can't come in and compete. I mean, for example, you can't come in and compete with somebody like McDonald's if you're a hometown fucking hamburger stand. It's not going to fucking happen, man. You know, because people know that brand and that product and they know, you know, the logos and things like that. So when people hear WWE, they automatically gravitate to it because they know there's where Hulk Hogan, John Cena, Stone Cold, The Rock were. But when you say AEW, you go, oh, yeah, that's that new thing with with, with that guy who whose dad owns the... Uh, the the jaguars who were the shits by the way too so you know <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree thank you very much um, <laughs> i've got i've got a couple of points to add to your points that you've just made sure the ladder spots in particular the AEW ones was that possibly down to bad camera work and production yeah yeah and, and it goes back to knowing where you're going to be and here's the thing too that people don't understand. The reason why that kind of shit happens is because in WWE, when I was there, and I'm not talking about today, I'm not, or what AEW is doing today, because I don't fucking know and I'm not there. But from my time in being a referee involved with those type of ladder matches at WWE and Lucha Underground and other promotions that I worked for, uh, agents would always smarten up the camera guys the camera guys always knew when certain spots were coming and where they needed to be so for example when willie mack did the when he climbed to the top of the ladder and he was going to frog splash the camera guys kind of ray went up what they did is they started down and they came up so did you see a glance of me yeah but i wasn't hugging the fucking ladder mm. i was holding it very subtly and i knew where the cameras were and that's the other thing too that is a, is a lost start by these referees who think they're referees on television today. They don't fucking know where the cameras are. You always need to know where your hard camera is and your handhelds around the ring. You always need to do that. Photographers included, you know, because you never want to be that guy whose ass is right in front of a fucking great shot. You know, you never wanted to be that guy. And you always needed to know where the camera guys were and it was cool because in WWE, we, we, we got along with our camera guys. We used to party with our camera guys. It was Marty, it was uh, Stewie, and it was, it was Rico. And these guys were fucking amazing, man. We, we got along with them. They, and they knew where they had to be. And they would even smarten us up at times because, you know, we'd be in the, in the ring or doing stuff. And, you know, like Marty Miller go, hey, kid, move, move, kid, move. I got to get my shot. And, you know, so, oh, fuck, man. And, and we would work like that and we communicated. But again, from what I seen from AEW the other night, and maybe I just seen one bad show. Eh, probably not. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I went, wow, man, nobody's, nobody's shown these guys how to do this the right way. And like I said, I, 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 I was traumatized. I mean, I, I really, really was traumatized after watching it because like I said, I don't watch AEW. I don't watch WWE. I don't watch NXT. I got friends and people who are still in the business who text me or, or, or they'll call me and say, Hey man, this happened. What do you think? So I'll tell them. So me 
if, if that was an off night for AEW, you know, maybe I caught an off night, but from what I've gathered, uh, that's the fucking norm. Yeah, it, it is the norm, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. And I've one more point to make on this referee sure. thing. Um, it, I know you mentioned uh, Rick Knox's, you know, night with the tag team. We went to a show a little while ago in, you know, local show here in the UK in St. Albans. Mm -hmm. And the main event, the two tag teams decided to brawl straight away before the bell even sounded. They went in and amongst the crowd, but the referee was chasing it the whole time to the point where, you know, the microphone was grabbed and said, right, they need to return to the ring in 30 seconds or I'm throwing the whole thing out. Like, is that something that could have been done to maybe restore the order and make it look like Rick knew Rick was back in charge. No, from what I've seen AEW and from what I've been heard, from what I've heard and what I've been told, Tony Khan don't give a fuck about referees. That, that, that's just a fact, you know, and, and I've, I've been told that personally by people there. So I know that for a fact, but here, here's my thing. I love Rick Knox to death. He's a great human being, you know, uh, but one of the things, you know, that I would suggest to Rick Knox is that make sure that he's getting with the boys in advance because here's the other thing that I noticed with AEW too they don't announce the matches they just announce Pentagon versus these guys and that guy and everything so they're not saying if it's a DQ a time limit or nothing like that you know I mean if, if the match is going to go gaga outside like that then I really feel the announcers should really acknowledge that and one of the things that we did at Lucha Underground to, to get away with that is that we would have Matt Stryker and we would have Vampiro say, at the referee's discretion, you know, so that gave the audience the knowledge that, oh, shit, Marty's going to let this go. He's going to let them fucking kick ass in that. But when they get in the ring, what else is going to happen? So we always gave that explanation when we did, you know, Gaga, outside of the ring is that striker would say at the referee's discretion tonight marty elias is really going to allow this to happen and and per dario cueto so we would always put the heat somewhere else and it's sad because seeing Knox today and seeing the other referees that they have there um these guys are getting heat all over the place because and again what's fucking heat you know somebody's saying they're mad at you yeah fuck off <laughs> I mean, it, for for example, a match like um, Shawn Michaels versus Taker at WrestleMania 25. I was there. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that you guys would have had a pretty lengthy conversation backstage about how the match was going to go, things that were going to happen. I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't have just been out there not knowing what the fuck, how everything was going to go, because... You know, it seems like that's what's happening nowadays, specifically with AEW, though. I don't know how much the referees... and Like you say, if Tony Khan doesn't particularly give a shit about the refs and the refs are kind of just like a third wheel, um, you know, they, they're an integral... Referees are an integral part of the match and, and the story. Like WrestleMania 25, 
you were you got you know you were dragged pulled by Shawn Michaels pushed against the side and then he pulled the cameraman uh, across which I want to speak to you about as well but Absolutely. I mean st you know stuff like that it has to be it has to be right you know yeah and if you're not having those conversations before I mean you're not going to be able to do that well on the fly I'm, I'm sure you have to do some stuff on the fly but absolutely absolutely you, there, there's a lot of that that happens on the fly but if you don't know how to do it on the fly and you allow people to bury you and, and, and that's the thing that i tell new kids today and people who ask for my opinion of stuff the only person who's going to bury me in a match is me you know because if guys are doing gaga and shit because here's the thing if i was at aew and they pulled that shit on me on tv i'd have count motherfuckers out <laughs> real fucking simple real, don't fucking ever try and shit on me don't ever try and bury me i've worked too fucking hard in this business to, to make a name for myself to 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 fucking work all these great things that i've done because i worked my ass off and then i'm gonna let some fucking guy come in and, and, and bury me fuck you i'm burying myself okay that's it and when when you do that and, and again i did that kind of shit at wwe and I remember there was a house show. And again, I'm going to jump around and give you guys some fucking cool stories. Love so it. we were, we were um, working uh, a loop. And if, if people don't know what a loop is, uh, especially the, the newbies and the AEW kids, a loop is when you start on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, do TV, do SmackDown, then you go home. So yeah, you're doing four or five. So that's a loop. And the loop could be, in Florida, it could be in Canada, it could be on the West Coast, it could be in Chicago. So we did loops. So, anyways, we were on a loop, and it was the Hardys when they were the tag champs, and they were running against Caden Murdoch. And Caden Murdoch, I fucking love those motherfuckers to death. And Lance Cade was one of my best friends in the business. I was actually a pallbearer at his at his funeral, and I miss that motherfucker today, man. So uh, he he was a good dude. Uh, but they were working. And it was the first night of them with their program because they had planted the seed at TV that Monday and Tuesday. So then Friday, we were going to start with Caden Murdoch versus the Hardys and running for a pay-per-view because that's what, what you did back then. You know, you always build shit up. You know, you just didn't throw it out there. Um, so we were in the match and it was maybe three minutes in and Jeff, Jeff went up. And he was on uh, Trevor's shoulders and he's wiggling, wiggling. He's Trevor's got him like this. So Jeff comes down and does a fucking roll through like a schoolboy goes through and he has him and he's on top of him. And I fucking go one, two, three. And Murdoch kicks out, man. But I already counted three and I'm fucking ringing the bell. And <laughs> Murdoch was fucking pissed, man. Trevor, I love you. If you remember that, bro. It, it was a great time. So I, I counted it and Trevor turned to me and he goes, you stupid motherfucker. Why did you count three? I said, cause he didn't kicked out. Fuck you. And he starts chasing me and I'm standing ringside and these guys start throwing chairs at me at a live event. They start getting chairs and throwing them at me and cursing and just motherfuck you and all this and just going, going down the road. So I get to the back and Arn Anderson was the, was the agent. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? What, what, what the fuck happened? Trevor comes through this motherfucker. He fucking fucked us. And, uh, and I was like, dude, you didn't kick out. I fucking kicked out. Fuck you, Marty. And, you know, so it was, it was a big to do. So 
Uh, everybody leaves. Arn has me, Trevor, and Lance stay. So it, Ricky Steamboat was the other agent on that too. So what we do is we go, because back in the day, the boys would sit at a monitor and watch the, the, the shows and stuff. Today, I heard everybody fucks off and goes, plays video games and does Gaga. But back then, and again, it was a different time, you know, uh, back in my day. <laughs> but anyway, so he sat us down at the monitor and he puts in the tape. And so Trevor's going, watch, we're going to fucking see, watch, you fucked up. And I went, all right. So puts in the tape, we're watching it and stuff. Jeff goes up, does his roll through. One, two, three, and then he kicks. And Arn stops it. And he turns and he looks at Trevor and he goes, I think you fucked up. Marty counted. You didn't kick out. Marty, you can go. Bailed out. And Trevor and those guys, you know, stayed there with Arn. And what was so fucking cool about it is that the next day, uh, the, the next town, both Trevor and fucking Lance came up to me and apologized to me. And I, I, to this day, man, I, I just earned their respect. Because the fact that, you know, I, I wasn't going to fucking do this, you know, mm -hmm. I counted three because if you're not fucking kicking, dude, you need to go back and explain it to the fucking booker, not me. So, you know, did, did I do stuff like that? Absolutely, man. And, and again, I wasn't going to fucking get heat if people didn't kick out. And, you know, I, I'd like to say that, you know, I, I've been very successful at that, that in my career, I think the only time that I ever had an issue with anybody kicking out is on the indies and that only happened to me twice where i didn't count a three where somebody didn't kick out and of course i'm indie guy i'm as green as fuck so i didn't know any better but i think really the only time that i did that or that happened to me is when i was working the indies fucking many decades ago so i always made it a point that when i was counting three you know that i was gonna and a matter of fact back in the day i had a callus right here because i would come because the thing that kids don't realize today when you're enhancing the match with a big false finish, and, and I, I noticed that during the CM Punk and, and the MJ match, is that they had these big old spots and they were doing it. And the fucking referee, he's an embarrassment to referees. He counted and he's counting one, two, and he stops like fucking here. And I just go, what the fuck are you doing? You mm. don't do that, man. You're giving away everything. And Mike Kyoto taught me this trick is that when you come down, your counts need to have a certain cadence, you know, not just a one, two, one, two. So every false finish that you have in the match, that, that's where the cadence needs to be. And referees today don't understand that. And, and that what really blew my mind, too, because I know Kyoto went to AEW and he did some shots there and then they didn't bring him back. But seeing the referees and, and how they work today at, at AEW, I was like, they need Mike Kyoto. You know, but the fact that he was there and, and they didn't really use him, it's like, you know, that's a fucking shame, man. But anyway, Kyoto taught me that no matter how close it would be, because if somebody wasn't kicking out, you still had the opportunity to fucking either graze it and make make some type of noise for the three count. So, you know, I would have, have calluses right here where I would just fucking just barely skim it. And there were times, you know, that I did. Oh, shit. But it was a two, and what I would do is I would come out and kick up or kick out and just kind of give the two thing, but I didn't fucking stand there and fucking pose, you know, after my two counts. You know, 
and that's a thing that, that that I see people doing today, whether it be Aubrey or, or some other folks in WWE or whatever, is that when they do their counts or whatever, they like to pose, and you know, fuck, look at me, and it's it, it, that, that that's just not what you do. And for me, when I had my accounts, and you can go back, look at WrestleMania, look at Lucha Underground, I always made those motherfuckers as close as they could be because when you do that, you're actually fucking getting these people invested. You know, you're, you're drawing them in because the last thing you want to do is see somebody sitting like this. You want to see people sitting like this. And, and, and that's a lost art form. And as a referee, you need to know how to do these things. Mate, I, I remember specifically watching WrestleMania 25. I went round to my mate Shane's house, big up yourself, Shane, and we were watching it. And the, the near falls in, in the Taker-Michaels match, they were enhanced by your counts because, you know, the, the, the big counts and, like you say, the cadence of it, if you've not got that kind of rhythm and you've not... Because people need to know what to expect from the referees counts as well because then when it is a two and three quarters or you know two and seven eights people are like oh fuck you know it, it was you can feel it every count and um i specifically remember the amount of near falls in that match were just you yeah. know and they were enhanced by you man a hundred percent yeah and you know that match wouldn't been that match without my counts you know and uh i I like to say that I contributed to that match as well. You know, I mean, and, and it was great because Sean told me a couple of years ago, you know, there was three guys in that match and they all wanted to be there, you know, and, and, and that's the God, God's honest truth. You know, we wanted to be there and, you know, it, it's really important, you know, the cadence of, of your counts and stuff and, and really, you know, being that authority figure, even though it, it's a work, you know, you still need to treat it as a shoot and stuff. And, you know, that's the thing, too. When I see referees with their five counts in, in the corner, you know, automatically it's like one, two, three, four. And you just go, no, you're fucking killing it, man. Because mm. when you do that, especially when you're working with the heel, you know, you always got to give that heel time to get their heat in. And when you're blasting a count, one, two, three, four, five, you're not giving them the opportunity to bing, 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 bing. And then you walk them back and then if you need to tell them something you relay a time cue whatever and then they can just kind of just walk you know just kind of walk by you and start putting the heat or if i needed to relay something they would tell me something clothesline you know out of the corner so then i would push the heel back come back and go check on the, on the baby face and say clothesline out of the corner so he knew he's coming out of the corner to give the heel a fucking clothesline and that's that's not being done today man it's just like everybody's jumping all over and everybody's out of position you know they're they're, they're ring positioning they're not in the corners you know they're, they're right on top of people and it's just like man who the fuck showed these guys how to do it it you're right they're not in the they're not in the corners and i i specifically remember that was you you with the legs spread quite wide in the corners just you know watching moving um that ring positioning yeah, and then too, here's the other thing too that, that that I did that a lot of people, you know, of course this I'm I'm saying it because I'm fucking great at what I do, uh, or what I did, um, and I can still do it. What I used to do, especially working with divas or female talent, if you notice, because you just mentioned that I would be in the corner with my leg spread and stuff. Okay, so what I would do 
to make these divas, these women talent and stuff, to make them look bigger, to make them look larger than life, is that when I got in the ring with them and the match started, I would be in a corner, but I would have my legs spread like I did normally. But what I would do is I would take it a little further and take two steps further out because that would bring my height down. So when I was down lower like that, these girls were running their spots. You didn't see a fucking referee who was taller than them. That's fucking called an art form. You know what I mean? There you go, yeah. bro. That's um, out here playing for That's fucking yes. magic. That's, that's fucking that's magic. Can, can I ask you about the WrestleMania, about the fourth man, right? The, the, the guy with the camera... And because from what I heard, I mean, the fucking rag sheets, the dirt sheets were talking a lot of shit after that match about A, who the guy was, B, what happened to him afterwards, and was it his fault that he wasn't there to catch Taker, Mark, or whatever, right? So from my point of view, I looked at it, he like, he, it wasn't really his fault. He kind of, he, he, I mean, maybe it was, but you, maybe you can enlighten us. Like, what the fuck was going on? Did he get in some real shit for it? What the fuck happened, man? Okay. Wow. So, shit, man, I'm going to tell some cool stories. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you guys exclusives. You know, I remember when I did Talk as Jericho, we kind of dove into this, but I never really got into detail. And and if we go three hours, I guess we're going to go three hours. I don't know. Fuck, <laughs> you know and, and again, I, I've never talked as open and candid like this about anything. I'm always kind of just, you know, being political and stuff. But, you know, like I said, man, I mean, you know, I'm uh, I'm just going to tell the truth and, and 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 give it a perspective and from from my vantage point and stuff. And, you know, if people get offended by some of the comments I make, then, you know, tough shit, man. I mean, you know, do your fucking job, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing is, too, and, you know, don't embarrass something that I fucking gave my life to, you know. I really did. I really did, you know, and, and that's, I think the old school part of me, you know, is it, it's insulting because the guys who came before me and before them, you know, I mean, really worked their asses off because today's professional wrestling is not what it was 15, 20 years ago, man, 30 years ago, you know, guys were fucking doing shots. We were doing fucking uh, two shows a night, man, on the weekends. And, you know, so we were on the fucking road, man. But, uh, yeah, you know, that that's I said, you know what, I just need to be open and honest about it and transparent and speak about it intelligently and, and give my humble opinion, you know, and, you know, if some people get offended by it or they feel that I said something wrong or out of content and, you know, that, that's on you, you know, but I'm talking from my experience and things that I've done and things that I've been through, you know, the stuff that I've had to live through, you know, and, and if they want to say something different, it's like, fuck you. I lived it. You didn't, you know, so like a Dave Meltzer, fuck you, Meltzer. You know, <laughs> yeah. fucking Mark. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, I mean, getting the opportunity to, to work with Sean and Taker at Mania 25 was fucking amazing, man. And, and people still ask me this day, you know, what was it like, man? And it's funny because for a long time I was angry at professional wrestling and, and I didn't embrace it. And I didn't embrace all the cool shit and accomplishments that, that, that I achieved. And I, I was kind of disgruntled because, you know, the pro wrestling world can do that to you, but I embrace everything today, man. And I'm, you know, happy to talk about it. And, and the fact that, you know, guys like yourself, man, are fans of my work and, and what I did, 
dude, I, I, I never, I never accepted that because when it, whenever anybody would tell me that they enjoyed what I did, I would get embarrassed because I, I never got into the business to be a fucking star. I wanted to be the best at what I did. And that, that was my goal. That's what my dad ingrained in my fucking head and you know, always be number one. And, you know, to, to do the, the taker match and then the Sean match and, and seeing where it is today in the history of professional wrestling, it, it, it's, it's fucking mind blowing to know that I'll always be tied to WWE and taker and Sean, um, man, it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling. And knowing that today and embracing that I can say what I can say freely and be open and transparent because I was the fucking greatest at what I did. And that WrestleMania 25 match fucking proves it, you know, that I was fucking the best and I I was there and nobody's ever going to take that away from me. And nobody's ever going to be able to, to even do something like that because those two guys will never exist again. Guys like that will never exist again. And to be a part of Taker and Sean's history. And, and, and my brother told me something about three months ago. He goes, sit back and look at it, man. He goes, those careers by themselves, Undertaker and Sean's careers by themselves are fucking, you know, monumental. And the fact that I was in there with them and we made magic and we made fucking history and it's considered the greatest match in WrestleMania history. I'm at peace with that, man. I'm at peace with professional wrestling today because I was the best and I can speak on professional wrestling intelligently and I can give my opinions and suggestions because I worked my fucking ass off to achieve all these things that I've done in professional wrestling. And if I'm saying something that somebody feels out of context, then you're probably not doing it right, you know, or nobody's taught you how to fucking do it right. And that's why you're saying that because you don't fucking know how to do it. So I know how to do it. And I embrace that today. And the fact, you know, that I'm giving my opinions on podcasts and interviews moving forward. I'm okay with that, man, because, you know, what are they going to say? We're not going to hire Marty. Fuck, I'm not there anyway. So fuck you. So WrestleMania. The fourth so, man. so yeah so the fourth man and and there's a shit long fucking story with that man so anyway <laughs> it, it, we we put that match together on a thursday and we it was me pat patterson michael hayes taker and sean and wwe rented out ballrooms and they would set up rings referees we would set up rings in, in the ballrooms and we would all meet and we we all got our our itineraries we got schedules we got everything so our rehearsal was i think at 7 30 and rehearsal hall number one or something so it was us so we're in there we're sitting around and way off in the corner was a guy sitting there indian style and he gets up and he comes walking towards us and it's Sim Snooker, Jimmy Snooker Jr. So he was sitting in the ballroom. So he's there and he says, excuse me, gentlemen, would you guys mind if I, if I watched or, or, or listened, you know, to you guys put this match together? And everybody just kind of looks at each other. And then we all look at Taker. And Taker goes, well, 
we haven't really put anything together. And right now is not a good time. He's like, maybe later. Thank you very much. And that's all he said. And we said, oh, okay, cool. So, uh, you know, Snooker, you know, stood there and, okay, thank you. And so he leaves. So we're putting the match together. And mind you, the only fucking direction and only thing that I was ever told from Sean or Taker was that if he didn't get back in the ring after the dive to yeah. shoot, count him out. That was the only fucking instruction that I got. And I'll tell you how close he got. It was fucking so, close, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was real. That was fucking real, man. So day of WrestleMania, me, Sean, and Taker are sitting, you know, talking, going over the match, making sure, that, hey, you know, so, you know, we, we, we did that. Apparently, these fuckers aren't doing it today, obviously. So uh, we're, we're talking about the match, and then Pat Patterson comes up. Oh, Mark, 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 look it. Mark, look it. I have this guy. Look at this guy. You know, he, I, I think he's the guy. I was like, what? What are you talking about? So that spot, that dive, was originally going to be on me. But Vince came in on Saturday night and he vetoed it. No, I don't want to take a referee out that, that early. Because mind you, originally, we were going to be third. And we only had 15 minutes. So. Uh, for, for the, you, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. So WrestleMania 25, the buildup for that match was fucking cool as well. Like there was a lot of buildup. So buildup. To, to then say that it was going to go on third um, and only have 15 minutes so, is so, fucking so I, insane. I, I, I fucking laughed because the uh, Lumberjill match with all the divas was after us. Ray Ray and JBL were after us. Kid Rock was after us. And it was like, and it was funny because when Michael Hayes told us how much time we had and where we were, you know, Taker looks at Sean and Sean, and, and, and I'll never forget it. And Sean wrote about it in his book because I wrote that chapter in Sean's book. Uh, I, I was the ghostwriter. Yeah, I was. So, wow. I, uh, because I, I remembered everything. I, I, I wrote shit down. I, I have everything. When I say everything, the paperwork, schedules, itineraries, drug piss testing stuff, I got fucking everything to this day. And it's going to be in my book. I'm going to put a lot of that shit in my book, you know, which I'm shooting for an April uh, release. It's called Life After Three. So uh, just like the podcast. So I, I have everything, dude. So I, I never threw shit away. And I got a great fucking memory. Even though I've got my ass kicked and concussions and through the years, I remember fucking everything. People always come back to me. Marty, do you remember this? But then again, the last few years I hated wrestling. I didn't remember a lot of shit. So, you know. That's what the mind will do to you. It's a powerful thing. Mm. So anyway, so so we're sitting there, and uh, Taker looks at Sean and he goes, "Sean, how long have you been with this company?" Sean goes, "Most of my life." And he goes, "Hmm, fifteen minutes. Third, that ain't gonna fly." Michael says, "Oh, hey, 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 you know what? I, 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 I'm gonna go talk to Vince, and, and don't worry. You're like, we'll see. If we get a change." So. Sean goes, Sean goes, hey, man, I can go on first. He goes, I can do the dark match. He goes, I just get home earlier. I can leave earlier. You know, Sean didn't care. And, but it got changed. 
you know, and thank God it did. But so we were there and you, you guys remember Mania, of course, because you guys watched it. Yeah, so yeah. Remember, remember when Cena did his entrance and they had all those guys dressed up as Cena yeah. coming down yeah. the ramp? So the day before, Taker, a lot of those guys were around the ring and shit. And Pat Patterson wanted somebody to, to take that dive because Vince had vetoed it on me. Because Sean even told me, he goes, Marty, we got to give you a WrestleMania moment. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, what am I going to say? Yeah, I need one. No. <laughs> if, if, if Shawn Michaels says I needed one, fuck, I needed one. So I wasn't going to argue with him. And I got one. So uh, we, um, we were there and we were talking. And Taker, you know, to to sit there and know that we were third it really didn't sit well with them so that day i mean the day after uh we we were we were doing some, no no i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm, I'm i'm losing my train of thought day of all these cena guys are there around the ring and pat had wanted somebody to to take the dive so taker's going around and he's asking some of these kids their experience and how long they've been working and stuff and i mean it was funny because a lot of these kids were so fucking intimidated with Taker asking them, you know, how long you been working, kid? Or, you know, who trained you? And, uh, you know, doing that shit. And, you know, so we really didn't have anybody. So what Pat Patterson did, because Pat, Pat was a sweetheart. And, you know, people can say whatever they say about Pat Patterson or other people too, you know, but, you know, Pat was a sweetheart. He, he was great to me. You know, I love Pat Patterson. I'll give you a cool Pat Patterson after I tell you this. So Pat was, um, was very good friends with Jimmy Snuka, Superfly. And, you know, he took care of Jimmy for a long time. And so he wanted Jimmy Snuka to be a part of Mania. So, you know, Taker's asking all these kids who were doing the Cena thing, what their experience was and everything. And, you know, he just didn't feel comfortable. So Pat comes up. Oh, Mark, Mark. Oh, look at this guy. This guy, look at him, man. This is the guy to take the dive and, you know, doing all that shit. So he goes, oh, okay. And he goes, you trust him? And Sean goes, well, looks at him. And Taylor goes, what do you think? And he goes, well, if Pat's saying it's, 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 it's a go, then, you know, let's trust Pat. It's Pat Patterson, you know? So Pat goes, oh, this is great. Oh, take off your hat, Jimmy. Takes off his hat, shit, takes off the mustache. And he goes, look, we fooled you. It's Jimmy Jr. Oh, thank you. So it was, that's how he got into the match is because of that. So from what I've seen and from what I was told uh, that, so that was a spot. And we, we had walked through it. We had walked through it and everything, you know, so. If it had worked, you know, maybe maybe that match would have been different. But he, Taker was fucked up. And I heard cracking sounds when, when – and I felt it. And to be in a fucking stadium with 74 people losing their fucking mind at this point and to hear that energy with 74,000 people and, you know, people losing their shit and then going to fucking, that was fucking, ooh, that was eerie. Like goosebumps saying that, man. It was fucking eerie because I didn't know what was wrong. Sean didn't know what was wrong. So we didn't know jack shit. But later on, we did find out that, you know, Taker broke his collarbone. He fractured his uh, ring finger. 
and he got a concussion. And, but we didn't know that. We didn't know that until after the fact. But uh, I mean, to, to have a crowd go from here to here, I mean, instantaneously was scary because crowds don't do that, especially with, with these two guys. So if you guys see in the match, I, I start getting up and I start getting up. I was supposed to be down longer and I was supposed to be selling longer because Sean wanted to give it that thing. But when the crowd went, hey, hey, like that, I went, oh, something's wrong. And again, that's instinct and that just knowing, you know, being being a veteran. And so I started coming up and I started selling. And when you guys see Sean and, and he comes to me and he's and he's doing this, yeah, he's telling he's telling me to sell more. But I told him, I said, Taker's not moving. And he goes, what? And he goes, Taker's not moving. And he wasn't. He was just fucking because I, I was peeking. And, and that's how you do it. There, there's tricks to do this shit. So I was peeking the whole time. And, you know, Taker wasn't moving. He was fucked up. And, you know, and then I seen Jimmy, who was selling. I was like, OK, but I didn't know. Sean didn't know. We didn't know what the dive looked like or how fucking bad it was until we seen it the next day together. Mm. Oh, shit. So, <clears throat> so we did that spot. And as you guys see Sean take me up and, and he's put me in the corner and stuff, you know, I went, I went down to my ass because I said, well, I, I can just do it from here. But then Sean, he goes, no, stand up. And so when Sean has me in the corner and he's talking to me, he's telling me, take your time. Let's give, let's give him time. You know, just, just don't count until I tell you to count. I'm going, okay. Okay. And he's like, but just take, your time and i was like okay all right cool i got you so we're 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 selling and we're doing everything so nobody knows that we're talking like this you know we're literally having a conversation and there's seventy four thousand people and undertaker's fucking hurt right there so it's like all right so if you guys notice what i did and i did this purposely because i know sean is that i when, when i sat on my ass i counted one and he came and he comes at me and he goes no 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 and he stands me up again because I wanted to, 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 to kill that. And again, that, that's just working and, and knowing how to, you know, buy time and stuff, you know? So again, that, that's another fucking lost art form is that you work with the boys to, to, to get that shit over. And again, it was such a dramatic moment that I was, I was still hurt. So if you guys notice from that point on, I'm selling the whole fucking match you know, holding my head and just like being yeah. a little bit slower And my, but my counts, because after he did get back in, when he fucking gorilla slammed him like that and that count, it was a one because I was hurt. You know, I was still fucked up from being thrown against the barricade. So that count had to be, because if, if I would have kept my normal cadence once it, it would have been off, oh, you know, he's not hurt. Fuck him. Mm. But I was hurt. That's the psychology of professional wrestling. And a lot of these fucking kids don't know that psychology and, and they don't get that deep into fucking professional wrestling because let's face it, professional wrestling was my life. It was everything to me. You know, I, I slept it, I ate it, I dreamt it, I did it. So it was everything to me. It consumed my fucking life for a long, long time. So I, I, I learned how to be the best. So that's why, you know, when you know how to work like that, you know, we, we gave him more time. So Sean comes up, gets me up and tells me, you know, count slower. Okay, cool. I'll count slower. So as I'm counting 
and and this is how you know when you got the fucking crowd is because I gave the crowd and I always did with my counts, even my double downs. I always gave the crowd the opportunity to fucking join in. And what I would do is I would let them count and I'd go one. And then what I would do is I would give it a beat. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. So guess what? The crowd's ready to say two because one, okay? One, one thousand, two. So they want to go two, three. But no, 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 no. You take your fucking time and two. And when you're coming to do two, they're with you. Two. Come back down. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. Checking on the boys. You know, takers out, whatever. Three. So you fucking draw them in. Even as a referee, you draw them in. And when Taker fucking rolled in, because me and Taker didn't make eye contact until nine. Until nine. And when he fucking rolled in, that fucking place exploded. And the reason they exploded is because my fucking count drew them in. And Taker was selling. Sean was selling. So it was like, holy shit, what's going to happen first? Is Taker really going to get counted out? And that's how you build the drama, man. And that's how you get people invested with stuff like that. Because, you know, you take your time. You know, you, you, you want to give them that drama. You want people to, to sympathize. And th that's everybody's moving way too fucking fast today, man. It's like bing, 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 bing. Like a fucking, like I said, Circus Soleil and flippity doodah shit that you're not giving people the opportunity to get invested or to uh, resonate what you're doing, you know, because it, it, it's like somebody who's sitting down at dinner and they're fucking mashing down the mashed potatoes. They're mashing down the fucking corn. They're mashing down the steak. You're not enjoying your meal, you know, take your fucking time, enjoy it. It may be your last one. So you just need to enjoy it, man. And just take the time. And, and life is like that too. Take your fucking time, man. You know, and people don't get that today. So Taker rolls in and the crowd just fucking explodes. And it's funny because people always have told me or, or indie people or some people, you know, who thought that, that they were over is that they would say, oh, do you hear that pop when they came out or something? I was at a show. No, I didn't hear pop. Well, what do you mean? This fucking crowd loves me. It wasn't a pop. What do you mean? I know what a pop is. How? Uh, because I worked with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. Those are pops. Thank you very much. Real fucking simple, man. You know, I know what a fucking pop is. A, a, a pop is from zero to a gazillion in a split second. That's a pop yeah. right there. When, when those fucking people jump out of their fucking chairs, that's a fucking pop. 74,000 people at the, in the palm of your fucking hand on a count yeah. of nine. That is uh, that's yeah. wildly yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, go back and look at it. Yeah, I'm, we, we For those of you it. who haven't seen it. No, no, that's right. I mean, we watched it earlier and I'm going to probably watch it again after this as well, just yeah. to fucking, because, you know, I remember I, I went to my pal Shane's and we were so excited for 
you know, um, WrestleMania 25 and it was fucking, you know, the, the 25th anniversary and Taker versus Sean. The build-up was fucking huge. You had, um, I think, uh, wasn't uh, Snooker and Piper on the show as well? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Because that was the angle with Jericho and Piper, Snooker and Steamboat. Yes, that's and right. Then, and then at the next pay-per-view, I get Steamboat and Jericho. Yes. <laughs> Fucking A. That's, that's right. I mean... And, and guess what? Ricky, Ricky and, and, and Chris asked specifically that I referee the match. And go back and look at that match. How fucking badass that match is, too. Damn, I mean, damn, we're going to blatantly do that, man. We are going to do that. I mean, how, how do those... Uh, I mean, you say that uh, Ricky Steamboat and Jericho asked for you specifically. I mean, does that happen quite a bit then when they say, look, we want, you know, we want Marty, we want, you know, Earl or whoever the fuck it was? Uh, right? Yes and no. But for me, the, the way that they became accustomed to asking me to, to be in their matches and Lance Cade and whoever, Johnny Mundo, Pentagon. I mean, Tommy Dreamer. It was, it was the fact that I gave a fuck because I never wanted to be a professional wrestler. I, I looked at myself when I started and I said, you're not 380 pounds, you're not six foot eight and you're not good looking. So you need to do something, dude. And when I was training at Jesse Hernandez's school, I seen that they had issues with referees and a fucking light bulb aha moment went off. And I went, that's what I can do. And I said, I'm going to go do it the fucking best. I'm going to fucking learn everything I can. I'm going to watch everything. And mind you, when I got in, dude, there wasn't fucking social media. There wasn't fucking instant YouTube and all that shit, dude. It was all about fucking trading tapes and shit with people and reading the magazines when they came out every fucking quarter, you know? So, and then you had WWE that they gave you all the kayfabe storyline shit. So you really didn't know about the business, man. And, you know, I, I learned because I, I was watching fucking VHS tapes, man. I wasn't fucking going on YouTube. I wasn't doing that. And then I'd go to shows and I would look at people and then I would go to fucking Monday Night Raw and I would fucking watch Tim White, Mike Kyoto. How do they do it? And then my payoff when, when I was doing that with Jesse Hernandez was I, I didn't get the $10 that I was going to get paid. I asked him for a copy of, of, of the show once he had it dubbed. And that was my pay. And I would go home and I would watch myself and, and look at myself. And then I would compare myself to fucking what Timmy White did like that Monday or what Jimmy Corderas did that Monday or what Earl Hebner did. You know, so I, I, I did that. And again, it's funny because Jr. you know, you student of the game. I was a fucking student of the game. I still am a fucking student of the game. You know, I never stopped learning, like talking to you guys all these memories and things are just fucking coming to me. And my passion is coming out because I was that invested with fucking professional wrestling. God gave me a gift and he gave me a gift and he gave me the ability to be a great fucking referee, you know? And, and I never, I never abused that. I never took advantage of it. I just wanted to be the best. If people don't remember me, then that's fucking cool. But if they remember the matches that I refereed and, and go, Oh man, that referee was Marty Elias then I did my job, you know, but if they say, Oh man, Marty Elias got bumped at WrestleMania 25, then the match didn't do what it needed to do. So again, if people don't remember matches that I was a part of, and I, I was a part of some fucking cool ones, 
I'm okay with that because that means I did my fucking job and people knew because here's the thing I told my nephew a couple of days ago. Does anybody really remember who won at WrestleMania 25 between Taker and Sean? Fuck no. You never hear anybody say that. The only thing you hear people talk about that match is it was the greatest fucking match in WrestleMania history. Fuck. Nobody fucking cares who won or lost. Today, motherfuckers are concerned about their, their, their win-loss records. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Come on. It's a fucking work, man. Somebody is telling somebody to fucking let them win. Give me a fucking break, man. So take it for what it is. Like you say, a lot of people give too much a fuck about winning or losing rather mm -hmm. than telling the story. Yeah. And it was always about, and it should always be about telling the story. And mm -hmm. you don't have to win all the time to be a fucking good wrestler, man. You can constantly yep. put people over and fucking be a, one of the greatest stars in history. We've had yeah. some on our show. We've had people that kind of, jobbed well i say fucking jobbed but like put people over constantly and yeah, they were see, fucking great see but i'll i'll kind of add to that because what people call jobbers and, and back when i was broken in or whatever and, and the guys you know that i saw come through and all that is that whenever you had guys who were putting guys over a prime example of a guy who was fucking amazing at it was Val Venus. Val Venus was one of the fucking greatest guys ever in in-ring technicians that you could ever fucking hope for, man. And Val, I remember, remember when velocity and heat were still a thing? Yeah, of course you're going to have this baby. It, it's funny because you're going to have people go heat. Well, well, that was a show before dynamite and before fucking rampage. Was. Yeah, you know? dude. And it was a better show than what you got today. So, <laughs> So Val would always put guys over on, on heat. So we ended up calling Val King of Heat, you know, KOH. And uh, that, that was our little thing with him. But Val was such a good fucking hand. And that's, that's a lost art form now, that when you have guys like that, <coughs> excuse me, the Al Snows, Paul Romas, who could make guys look like fucking superstars, man, that, that's, that's a lost art form as well because, you know, Kids come in today to get dark matches. Oh, you're jobbing. You're a jobber. And, you know, they look like fucking jobbers. I, mean, I, I hate to say it, but they do, man. And But back then, the Val Venuses, the Paul Romas, you know, and, and, and all those other greats, those guys were good fucking hands. And that's why those guys had those careers that they did and were with Vince because they could fucking work with guys, anybody, and make them look fucking great, man. And, and again, it, it's all about being a fucking carpenter. You know, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to go carpenter. Well, if you're old school, you'll fucking get what I said. If you're not, then go fucking look it up and learn the business. I mean, we, we had one of the greats, um, Alex Wright, on the podcast from WCW. And he is probably one of the greatest actual, uh, you know, technical wrestlers. But he was able to work with anyone um, you know, he made people yeah. look like a million bucks. And he's another Absolutely. example of, of guys, like you say, who could literally work with anyone and make them look like a million bucks, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, the, again, that's a lost art form. And, you know, that, that's a lost art form in refereeing, too, and, and, and the workers, you know, the way they work today. You know, everybody is doing stuff. And what really, you know, chaps my ass 
is that you know you have people like the Bucks who have hoard out the super kick, and you know when you go out and you do Gaga and you super kick a fucking five year old or something, it's like wait a minute, time the fuck out, man. Um, that was Shawn Michaels' finishing move, and he beat fucking Bret the Hitman hard at fucking WrestleMania in overtime to win that fucking title, and you shit all over it and fucking people use it as a fucking, you know, a, a spot now. It's like, really? Give me a fucking break, man. How fucking disrespectful is that? You know, maybe it's the old school in me, but again, you know, these, these moves and stuff, even the DDT guys are hitting it and fucking rolling over one, two. It's like a fucking hope spot, man. You just yeah. go like fucking when, when Jake fucking got those motherfuckers, man, and, and he fucking stopped and he fucking, he turned and he looked he fucking raised his arm fucking slowly. He still had that motherfucker cinched up and he had it and he did it slowly. And then he fucking whipped it. He fucking got you, man. And they don't do that shit today. They don't. It's all about, oh, look at you. Look at me. Fucking man, ridiculous, it, man. But yeah. Myself and Jordan trained wrestling for a, a good few years. And we were always told, if you think you're going too slow, go slower. Mm-hmm. And that was like the key in because people get too excited we're in the ring and they're doing things too quickly. First of all, you can make mistakes when you're doing yeah. things too quickly. And like you say, you can't enjoy a morsel if you're doing it no. too quickly. No one yeah. can no one can buy it. But. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because Chavo used to tell the, the Globe Girl that when we were training them. You know, if you think you're going too fast, go slow. slower. Yeah. So Pat Patterson, real quick, man. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm standing by Gorilla. And I'm getting ready to go. And I always had my little ritual thing, which I did every single show. Didn't matter if I was an indie guy or a fucking lucha guy or whatever. No matter where I was at, I always would go find a spot um, by myself, away from fucking everybody, for maybe 15 minutes before the show. And I would fucking get into fucking my head. I would get into Marty Elias, you know. And I was getting ready and I had my little ritual that I did. You know, I, I was uh, Paul Roma taught me this trick too, is that it's a Snickers bar and half a can of Coke, you know, it, it gets your blood flowing and, and stuff. So, and the sugar just gives you an automatic rush. Uh, so I, I'm doing my ritual and stuff and Pat Patterson sees me. And he's smoking like he normally did backstage. Was the only guy ever. And Vince McMahon hates fucking cigarette smoke. Hates it. But Pat was fucking right there by Gorilla. So I'm standing off. And Pat sees me. And he goes, Marty, how are you doing? I'm great, Pat. You know, because it's Pat Patterson. I go, I'm, I'm great. He goes, so tell me something, will you? Yes, sir. He goes, are you nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous. Why? How nervous are you? Well, Pat, I'm, uh, I'm nervous that I could shit myself, you know, because I'm going out on live TV right now. He goes, good. Because if you're not nervous, you get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and he walks away. Yeah. So, and, and it's cool because, like I said, man, I, I didn't embrace professional wrestling, some of the cool shit that I was able to do and some of the great people that I worked with and stuff. I mean, you know, who, who has memories of Pat Patterson like that? You know, I'm sure Mike Kyoto and Chad and Jack and, you know, 
a lot of those guys from the ruthless aggression area like myself thank you very much and you know but th those kids today man who you know really don't don't have those interactions with guys like that you know and it, it, it's sad because you know like steamboat was an agent at wwe and i'm sure he just got tired of the bullshit as well just like jeff hardy did but you know it's like you know when, when you don't have guys of that stature you know showing people how to do shit then your product is going to suffer man you know i mean it's no different than major league baseball if you got a shitty manager and shitty coaches then your team's going to fucking be in the shits you know and and it's no different than professional wrestling too you know, and, and that's how simple it is. I mean, it's a simple fucking formula. I mean, Coke has had their formula since fucking in the 1800s. And it's still the same fucking formula. And we're still drinking fucking Coke because it's good, you know. But you got your variations, diet Coke and diet this and Coke that and shit. But it's still fucking Coke at the end of the day. And again, all this applies to professional wrestling. But people just want to try and do it differently today for some fucking reason, man, you know. It's it's the same formula, but the characters fucking intertwine and change in and out all the time. That's all it is, man. Tony Khan should know that. <laughs> so uh, have you got something to ask, George? Because I've got another question about a specific match. Yeah. Um, when we spoke yesterday, you mentioned Santino. You mentioned our interview with Santino. You said you had something to add to it or something to correct or even give us the, the whole truth on it. And I, I'm, I've been dying to hear it since we spoke about it. Okay. So it was funny because Santino did. Anthony, if you see this, bro, I love you, man. Miss you. Um, but I was the guy that John Cena had go get him. <clears throat> so he was the new guy. And, and I remember how this all transpired and how it played out and everything else man so uh you know apparently anthony didn't want to tell the whole story but i mean the whole story is fucking funny and yeah i'm not gonna incriminate anybody or do anything but it was fucking fun man and to have some great fucking times like that on the road man you just go man this is just amazing to to to, to be a part of this man and it's funny and i'll get to your story and remind me to talk talk story but i'm just going to go off on a little tangent here that, that, that when I grew up, I was a kid who loved Kiss and I wanted to be in Kiss. And I got fired for wearing a Kiss t-shirt from WWE. And we'll get into that whenever you guys want to. But Motley Crue came into my life and really just changed my fucking whole perspective on life and who I was and where I wanted to be. And they, they gave me a voice. And I said, you know, I want to fucking do what Motley Crue's doing. I, I want to fucking have that. So when I got with WWE, I was never a partier in my life. You know, I, I did party in the 80s working with Mon Kill and all these other bands on the Sunset Strip, which that's a whole different fucking life for me, you know, because I did that first. And, you know, to be a part of the rock and roll world, I, uh, I was like, fuck, man, I was privileged to do some cool shit. But when I got to WWE, I was, I was touring. I was going overseas. I was going to Mexico. I was going to Hawaii. I was on tour, you know, because we fucking worked our asses off. In, in 2008, I was on the road for 308 fucking days. Wow. So if that's not being on the fucking road, I don't know what else is, you know, but that's fuck, just doing the road itself is fucking hard, man. And so 
I, I said to myself that I'm not in Motley Crue. I'm not in Kiss. I am touring. And I am on the road. And I'm going city to city. So I said, I'm going to party like I'm in fucking Motley Crue. So I fucking partied like I was in fucking Motley Crue, man. And I know Steve, Steve O says that as well, but dude, I mean, he, he's absolutely right, dude, because my goal was to fucking be a guy in Motley Crue as well, especially what they did to me in 81, man. Nikki Six, Tommy Lee, Vince Neil, and, uh, you know, Mick Mars. And, and the fact, here, you want to hear how fucking crazy my life is and, and how fucking cool it is and, and, and why I'm just like, I just want to be free about everything now, man. Professional wrestling music. Dude, I, I work for Vince Neil of Motley Crue. You know, me and my brother Mike did his fucking backline, set up his amps and shit like that. I mean, it's like, holy fucking, I'll send you guys the photo later, man, after we do this. But it's like, there I am, and here's fucking Vince Neil singing Dr. Feelgood. Are you fucking kidding me? Again, it's putting yourself out there, man, not just getting stuck in one fucking thing like, you know, everybody wants to wait for that fucking call from WWE that's never going to fucking come. Oh, one last one. One last run. Oh, they're going to call me for the Royal Rumble. No, they're fucking not. And, and you know, it, it's sad to see that. You know, I personally don't want to do that. But it, the reason I bring up the music thing is because I went and did something different, man, because I wanted to fucking get away from that because I achieved what I wanted to achieve. And a lot of people don't get that. So you know they they chase that dragon for fucking years and years man and they never get off that merry-go-round and you know by the time they're done with they're fucking 70 in a fucking rest home so you know it's not cool but it's great because i was able to go do music as well so you know i'm not just a fucking lowly referee like people like to think you know it's uh you know there, there, there's more to me than what people have ever known so you know it's all good man i dig it but I know I got off track. Where are we going with this? Santino Morella. Okay, here we go. Party. That, that's <laughs> yeah. why we got into the partying thing. That's right. So, so we're in the locker room, okay? And, and, I'm, and I have it in my head right now, and I can see it play out. So Matt Hardy's standing by his locker, and he's brushing his hair, brushing it out and stuff. And he sees Anthony Santino come walking through. And Matt's brushing his hair, and Matt goes, hey, you know, you need to wear that tonight at the bar. Anthony goes, what? He goes, yeah, you need to wear that at the bar tonight. And he goes, oh, yeah, whenever you win the title, you need to wear it. And mind you, he'd beat Umaga that night, okay? The, mir yeah. the miracle in Milan, so he beat Eki. So, okay, so then Matt's brushing his hair, and when he's telling him that, he says, right, Sean? And he turns to Sean Michaels, who was sitting to his right, and Sean's putting his hair in a ponytail, and Sean goes, that's right. You need to do it. He goes, <laughs> so he goes, uh, okay. So everybody gets their shit and stuff, and we go to the hotel. And uh, we go up and put our bags away and shit. And Cena, Cena on the bus was saying, I want all you motherfuckers down here. Five minutes. Go put your shit away. If you're not, I'm coming looking for you. So, okay, cool, man. You know, so we all went and did that shit. So we're downstairs and lo and behold, there's no Santino. And where are we down there? And mind you, everybody and anybody who was a fucking agent at that time and who was on the tour was fucking down at the bar. Shawn Michaels included, man. 
and dude to get everybody johnny ace was down there michael hayes was down there i mean it was like holy fuck it was a who's who of fucking wrestling royalty man so cena didn't see anthony so he goes marty you go get fucking santino right now you fucking are. okay so i went up and i get knocking on the door i said hey man john wants you fucking down right now and he's like oh uh, okay uh he goes but i'm hungry and i said well john wants you down there so he goes I want to get something to eat. So I was like, okay, cool. So we go down, I take him into catering and he goes, I'm going to have some rice. I'm going to have some rice. <laughs> so he grabs the rice and stuff. So he's eating the rice and he's sitting in front of me and I'm sitting here and in the corner right here at catering at a table was Randy Orton, Carlito and Umaga. And so mind you, before I bring him down, we're walking at his door and I go, no, 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 you got to get the belt. You got to get the belt. Oh, so he goes and grabs it, puts it on, and he comes and he's in the elevator. When he gets out, out of the elevator, ting, there's the bar and there's all the boys. So he goes walking, goes to catering, and he goes into catering, wearing the belt, gets his rice, and he sits down. And Eki, Randy, Carlito are sitting there. And he's sitting there and he's eating his rice and shit. And I look over and I see Randy, and Randy goes, Eki, Eki. You're going to put up with that shit right there, man? <laughs> the fuck? And then Eki, I turn and I look at Eki, Umaga, and he slams his fork down and shit. He goes, oh, hell. Oh, hell no. This motherfucker, this motherfucker's going to do that to me because he's wearing the fucking belt out that he just beat Umaga on fucking TV for, you know? <laughs> and again, it was it was a good rib, you know? And, you know, Eki... Uh, Eki uh, wasn't too pleased with that, but it was funny. So then he's done eating his rice. So we go over <clears throat> and he start, and they start drinking all the fucking Jack Daniels starts coming up. Everything starts coming out. I mean, I mean, we, we, we must've fucking had them bring like, I mean, like so much fucking beer and whiskey because they actually had to go to the back and get more because we were just, I mean, like I said, I mean, it was everybody and anybody and producers and agents and people that never came down to the bars or did anything, but they were there. So they're drinking, they're doing this and stuff. And then Cena starts headbutting Santino, starts fucking headbutting them. Boom, boom. Because Cena wanted, wanted him to fucking drop. And for, for Anthony's credit, oh, sorry, got somebody's knocking. So for Anthony's credit, Santino, he held his fucking ground, man. He held his ground. And I was I was going back after everything when people started you know dropping out and stuff like that I asked Cena I said can he go because I mean he was fucked up um, um we all were we all were man and so Cena goes go ahead take him so as I get him around and I'm walking him up the elevator there's a fucking planter right there with the big fake fucking tree and shit so I push the button get in for we're waiting for the fucking uh, elevators just sitting there and all of a sudden i hear this motherfucker all over that planter it's going holy shit and, and he's fucking drooling all over himself i go up <clears throat> I, I had his room key get him up put him in i lie him down and i take the belt off of him i put it up on the dresser i take his shoes off you know <clears throat> and then what i do is i turn on the air conditioning and what I did, <clears throat> he was on his back. I turned him over, put him on his stomach. And then what I did is I grabbed a, a trash can out of, out of the bathroom 
and I put it next to his bed. So he was literally with his head hanging over and his shoes off and shit. And he's there with the belt here. And it was like, good night, Santino. And uh, that's what we did. So the next day, Raw, I was on Raw. So we we left because we were going to another city. But SmackDown was going to do SmackDown because we had done Raw that Monday. So then that's what we did. We used to piggyback. So then SmackDown was going to do the arena that we did Raw at. So Santino was a part of, of, of uh, SmackDown at that time. So I, I don't know who it was, but somebody calls Matt Hardy and says, don't let fucking Santino fucking, you know, get him beer, get him. I mean, because they really wanted to fuck with him. And it was it, that, that's how you rib. So what they did is they made sure that when he came out and plus he was late for the bus, very late for the bus, because Matt Hardy was in constant contact with whoever and giving us updates of his condition. So the whole day he was pretty fucked up, man. He, he, he was hurting. He was hurting. So, uh, you know, th that was that story. It, it was so much fun to be a part of that. And, you know, thank God nobody got hurt. But, uh, you know, that saying party like a rock star. Party like a professional wrestler. God's honest truth. That's crazy. I mean, and I, I don't know about you, Joe, but I don't know if I've heard many stories about um, John Cena being like a crazy party animal kind of guy. I'm not sure if I've heard. I think I might have heard maybe Ric Flair mention that Cena could drink a lot of people under the table, something like that. Like he was said that Cena knew how to party, but that was as much as Flair went into it. He didn't go that far. Was Cena thing. a bit of a savage, was he, Marty? Like, was John Cena a bit of an animal? Yo no hablo inglés. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, man, I love John Cena, man. And, and I'm so happy for his success and shit. And again, people can talk all the shit they want about Cena. But, dude, I was there in the beginning when fucking Cena came to California, man. When Mark Bell and Chris Bell brought him out, Mike Bell brought him out to UPW, Rick Bassman. You know, and Tom Howard is the one who trained him. And, you know, to be there in the very beginning, you know, for the prototype and, and, and get to know John. I mean, it, it was fucking cool, man. You know, and to see what he's done and who he is and, you know, to see, you know, that guy who would fucking pull up and, and you know, he pulled up in a, a Lincoln Mark town car that had a bad fucking carburetor. And every time he was driving out of the driveway from uh, practice and stuff, he would always have to fucking at a stop. He would always have to put it in neutral because if he left it in park and he put the brake on the fucking thing and it would die. So what he would have to do is he would have to fucking have it in neutral and have his foot on, on, uh, on the brake and then kind of just rev the gas because if he didn't do that, his car would stall out. And I remember John Cena having that car and having that issue. I'm sure he doesn't have that issue today, but that's the John Cena that I knew and when he started and, you know, he paid his dues just like everybody else did. So if he wants to buy 20 fucking cars and he deserves it because he paid his fucking dues, man. Can, Love you, can, John. I, can I quickly ask you about um, sure. Mike Bell and Chris Bell? Um, oh, man. I, I, because one of my favorite documentaries, it's kind of to do with wrestling as well, is the uh, bigger, stronger, faster yeah, yeah. and the side effects of being American. Like, to, the, mm -hmm. I fucking love that documentary. And like I say, I mean, if you know those guys, anything you could tell us about those guys? Yeah, man. Um, Mad Dog was was an enhancement talent, but Mad Dog was a good enhancement guy. And actually, Mad Dog helped train Cena with Tom Howard and stuff. And then, right. and, uh, you know, I remember when uh, Mark Bell, Smelly, who's now a very famous power lifter and shit. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I remember when Smelly and, uh, and Mad Dog were doing Hell's Bells as a tag team, you know, and, and working with those guys. And Chris Bell, Chris Bell was actually writing for UPW, Rick Bassman, when I got there, um, when I went to go try out and, and, and get in front of UPW because I knew you know, that UPW was doing some cool shit with WWF and stuff. And I knew that Bruce Pritchard and Tom Pritchard and, you know, JR were coming and looking at people and stuff, you know, because they'd done that and they'd signed Cena, they'd signed Aaron Aguilera, hardcore kid. They signed Lisa Marie, Victoria. Uh, they signed a guy by the name of, of Basil who unfortunately passed away like two months later. Uh, Nathan Jones came through there. You know, Melina came through there. KG Sakota came through there. Kazarian came through there. Mikey Henderson, who was a fucking great talent, who never made it, unfortunately. Um, Rick Knox came through there. Uh, Horseshoe came through there. You know, Luther Reigns. Um, Marty Lies came through there. You know, so there was a lot of fucking great talent that came through UPW. And it was cool because whenever we would do these shows and stuff, you know, I remember Bruce and Tom and everybody coming out and, you know, hanging out with us and teaching us and, you know, fuck, man, it, it, it was a great time to be in professional wrestling. And, you know, we, we really, really worked our asses off to, to make that thing happen. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that I was a part of that. But I remember when I got to, to WWE and, and Cena and I, we, we toured, we were in Australia, man. And uh, we're, we're sitting in the back of the bus and I, I sit in front of John and I turn over and I said, this is fucking great, man. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, it is, huh? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad to see you here. And I'm glad you made it here. He goes, because I remember UPW. And I went, wow, dude, fuck yeah. You know, so it, it was cool. It was cool to get that from John, you know. And every time when I see him, you know, it's like, oh, my God, fuck hugs. And, you know, all this shit. And because, you know, I was there when this motherfucker was starving, you know, when he came from the Bells. But Chris Bell was the writer. Uh, Chris Bell's the one who introduced him to Rick Bassman and Tom Howard. And, you know, Chris is a great fucking dude, man. Intelligent, you know, such a great writer, such a great uh, documentary guy, man. And, yeah. and like to see his documentaries and, and do well. And, you know, it, it's, and then Mark Bell, I remember he was smelly uh, in, you know, I remember smelly working a match at a UPW show that we did at a casino. Uh, it was Superfly Jimmy Snuka versus smelly. Wow. And I was a referee for that. Wow. And, uh, you know, I remember that, that shit, man. So it, it's great talking and opening up to you guys and, and on my own podcast, that's what I'm going to be doing, telling these types of stories, uh, life after three on kill cliff, uh, you know, check that out. Um, I, I just want to be transparent and open about some cool shit and, you know, just say it intelligently and, and say it as open, as honest as I can. And, you know, you know, if people feel that I'm burying them, then I'm sorry, because, you know, it's just, you know, I, I was there, I lived it. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be disgruntled because that's the furthest thing that, you know, I'll ever do is be disgruntled because when I'm done, I'm fucking done. And I just leave you in the back mirror, man. So I'm just like, I'm cool. I'm cool, man. If I never step into a ring again, professional wrestling, I would be okay because I haven't done it since 2019. And, and I did a match with Paul Roma that was five minutes. So I, it really wasn't even that long. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do it. And plus nobody's knocking down my door, you know, because I don't have a lot of numbers, you know, wrestling related and, you know, I'm not calling people and, you know, I'm not in the fucking loop and I'm not, you know, saying, Hey, what's going on here? Cause I don't really give a fuck, man. 
because I've already done that and I did it at the highest level. And, you know, who's going to fucking take it away from me? Nobody. You know, that's why I embrace it, man. I, I did some great stuff at WWE. You know, I learned from the fucking greats and the legends. And, you know, I applied what they taught me. And that's what made me the referee that I am today or was because I paid attention. I learned. I was a student of the game. And, you know, I, I took being a referee fucking serious as a fucking heart attack. And unfortunately, I don't see that same passion to me. A lot of kids today in the wrestling business, whether it be workers or referees, or whatever, they're fucking soft, man. You know, they're, they're, they're fucking soft. And I, I just, you know, th that's not where I want to be, you know, because I, I enjoy Marty. I enjoy doing whatever the fuck I want to do, not having somebody go, you know, we own you. Fuck you. You know, I own myself, man. You know, I'm not going to be your fucking puppet. You know, and plus, if they were to come to me, they, they couldn't afford me because I would ask for so much fucking stupid money. That, you know, and I would do it just to fucking for shits and giggles because I know I know they won't give me what I want. And, and, and that's just the thing, too. If I ever go back to professional wrestling, it'll be financially, just like all these other fuckers, you know, who go back. It's all financial, man. And, you know, it's not that I'm broke or poor and begging for it. I just, you know, I'll, I'll take your fucking money. Why not? Hmm. Yeah, that's something we always say on this show is we never knock anyone's hustle. Um, yeah, 100%. Man. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned it briefly. Um, probably want to jump into it. Uh, a Kiss t-shirt and fucking Mark Carano. Yeah, fuck Mark Carano. There we go. Fuck Mark Carano. There you go. Um, you know, talk about a fucking human being that's a piece of shit. So I'm being helpless because, and you know what? I'm not saying this. Where'd you go, Chris? I'm not saying this to, to be angry. I'm just speaking it, man, because he's not a good human being. And, you know, when, when he was in his position of power, which he totally abused and, you know, made people's lives miserable. Um, I, I, I just I just hate that motherfucker. I really do. And, and I know hate is a strong word, but, you know, this guy just, you know, piece of work, man. Um, so I, uh, I was doing, uh, we were at the Marriott and we had done a run overseas and we uh, had come back. And when you're overseas for three weeks, four weeks at a time and stuff, you have a tendency to run out of clean clothes. So, and, and at that time it was a business casual colored slacks, dress shoes, whatever, you know, you know, they wanted you to be a corporate monkey. So <clears throat> I uh, didn't have any clean collared shirts. Could I have put on a, a dirty one? Yeah, but that's not how I roll, you know? Um, I'm a very clean individual, you know? So I, uh, I said, fuck it. I got two shirts left. Oh, I'll wear this kiss one. So as I'm standing, and unbeknownst to me at the time, so I'm standing there and um, I didn't know that Vince McMahon, uh, his limo was there because I was waiting for my car in valet. So I didn't know that Johnny Ace and Kevin Dunn were in the limo. So Kevin Dunn sees me and he turns to John and he says, hey, Marty's out of dress code. What are you going to do? And Johnny goes, I'll take care of it. Yeah, right. So I get to the arena. And they used to give, Mark Corona used to give the referees, Johnny Ace as well, 
I don't know how it runs today, but they would always give the referees a shit duty. And what I mean by that is that we would have to check people in, you know? So let's say if we were on the West coast, we had a call time for 11 AM. And if somebody showed up at, uh, 1130, we would have to write 1130. We'd have to turn it into Corona or Johnny. And if these guys were late or girls were late, then they got fined 250 bucks. So I hated that fucking shit duty. And I hated being the stooge because I didn't want to be the guy responsible for my brothers and sisters getting fucking reprimanded because they showed up late because they woke up late or whatever, you know? So I hated that. And Carano and Johnny used to thrive on that, especially Carano, man. And they, they would have the, the drug testing and we, we would always get the sheets and stuff. And we would always have the, the checkoff list and Carano would always give that to us referees. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I still have, I, I found all of them recently when I was going through all my storage and I found a lot of those piss tests you know, with my notes and stuff that I wrote on and everything. So if anybody ever wants to challenge that, I got it. So, so, uh, Carano gave us the drug testing list and it was his responsibility as somebody in talent relations to go do that because nor was I trained or, or, or had any authority to go tell somebody to test because I wasn't a paramedic. I wasn't a fucking doctor. I wasn't anybody's boss, neither were the other guys, but yet we were given that responsibility to go tell, you know, Lord Steven Regal, William Regal, that he needs to fucking take a piss test. We need to go tell fucking Big Show he needs to go take a piss test. We need to tell fucking John Cena he needs to go take a piss test. We need to go tell Umaga he needs to take a piss test. So to, to have that unnecessary heat put upon us because this motherfucker didn't want to go do his job and he gave it to us to go do it because that was his responsibility as talent relations. You know, I wasn't part of talent relations. I mean, fuck, I wanted to be, but you know, I got fired before I had an opportunity to do it because I think I'd be fucking great in talent relations. You know, I know both sides of the spectrum, the office and fucking being one of the boys. So, but that's here or there, man. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he put that upon us, man. And, and, and he, he didn't give a fuck, man. He, he enjoyed watching us go up to a big show and big show telling us to fuck off. And he, he, he'd get a fucking kick out of that, man. You know, he, he'd giggle and he'd fucking go, Hey man. And he, you know, it's just like, I mean, for him to, to have that position, I mean, a, he never fucking deserved it. And B, he was just a horrible fucking human being. You know, you just don't treat people like that, man. You don't. And, and that's why, you know, I relocated from California recently because I was just tired of the bullshit, man. I was just tired of California, tired of the toxic environments and shit. And that's why, dude, I'm at peace today. And that's why I'm being so open and honest here because, you know, I, I'm good, man. I'm good with Marty, man. I'm, I'm good with what I did. And, you know, if I got to be honest, especially about horrible human beings, like Mark Carano, for example, you know, I, I'm going to tell you my experiences with them because the experiences did happen to me personally. So I'm not trying to say he's this or that. I'm just expressing and telling you what happened to me and my experiences, you know? So if anybody wants to take it out of content or, or Marty said this or that, you know, go fuck off, you know, because everybody wants to spin it their own way. So, you know, fuck it. It's recorded. You know, let's do this. That's right. So I mean, it, it's um, 
so going from that, I mean, I, I want to step back and ask you about one other match, if, if that's all right, in, in WWE. Yeah. Sure. Um, and it was one that you sent me a really cool fucking photo of, man, and I'll put it on the screen. It was um, the Great American Bash 2008, Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho. So the ending of that match, you stopped it um, for the stoppage because, the, the, the uh, you know, Shawn Michaels apparently couldn't continue. And the blood in that match was pretty bad, man. At one point, you could see it squirting from Shawn Michaels' head. Um, it was pretty fucking bad. So, I mean, I take it that was supposed to be the finish of the match was a stoppage, but yes. did you... Ex yeah, I mean, Sean must have bladed himself pretty pretty deep, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys want to hear it? Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, do you, yes, you, you want to hear it from my perspective? Yes, please. What I experienced? Okay. So, yes, that, that match was the match that banned blading and blood in WWE. That was the one that Vince said no more. Um, and again, I was asked in Mexico City by um, Chris Jericho uh, if I wanted to referee or be involved with the angle that he had coming up with Sean. We were in Mexico City and we did, did a run there and we were going up to the uh, terminal in an elevator and uh, Jericho says, hey man, Sean and I are going to be doing an angle. He's like, you want to be a part of it? I go, yeah, man. So, and it's funny because Steve Journey of, uh, Steve, Steve Smith of Journey was in the elevator with us and he was doing a drum clinic. So we, both being music fans, we marked out for him. Oh my God, it's Journey. So, so we get up there and Sean says, yeah, go talk to Sean, man. I go, okay. So I go and Sean's sitting at the, at the terminal and I sat down next to him and says, Sean, you got a minute. And that's the thing that people need to understand too, is that whenever I went to go talk to Johnny or talk to Vince or talk to Sean, you know, I was, I, I was respectful, you know, even to this day, you know, uh, saying, excuse me, do you have, do you have a minute? Because I, I never took it upon myself to just feel that I could just go up to them, even though I could, but that's the aspect of the business it's lost too, is that respect and that etiquette, you know, that, you know, people just, really eh, they think they're who they are, whatever, and they don't say hello or goodbye, or even give a flying fuck that you're there. So, you know, you, you were always respectful like that, especially with guys like Sean. And I was friends with Sean. So I, uh, I said, Hey, you got a minute. He goes, yeah. What's on your mind? Sit down. I said, well, I just talked to Chris in the elevator. He said, you guys are going to be doing something cool. I said, you asked me if I want to be a part of it, but he told me to talk to you. He goes, yeah, we're doing something. He goes, uh, we're, we're going to start it Monday. He goes, and uh, we'll see where it goes. And I said, okay. And I said, well, I said, if you guys need a great referee, I said, I'll work hard for you. And, uh, you know, it would be an honor to be a part of this. And he goes, I'll keep it posted. Okay. And off I go. So, you know, we got to TV and stuff. So if you go back and you look at that angle, Whenever Sean was attacked by Chris or vice versa or something was happening backstage and everything, you will always see Marty Elias in those because that was what Sean and Chris wanted because I was going to be refereeing the matches. So it would just everything, the continuity of the angle and faces and things would have a continuity through the angle. So seeds were planted with saying this or doing that or me being the referee and stuff. So that gave it a, a continuity, man. 
And that's lost today too, because people don't fucking do that. Even at house shows, it was me doing shit with them. And you just kept that up. And, and that's what true old school professional wrestling, you're telling that fucking story and you got all the characters intertwined. So, you know, even though I was the, the referee, you know, it, it's good. But to your point, I, um, I don't know, man, uh, th that match, was something that I just, it was like, fuck, man. It, it was it was a big aha moment for me at WWE. And the reason I say that is because when we got to that show and we were at Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, I went up to Chris when I found out that it was a stoppage. And uh, I said, how do you want me to do this? And he goes, well, stop it. I was like, all right, I'll stop it. But is there any particular way, you know? And he goes, you know what? Go ask Vince. Okay. Oh, fuck, I'll go ask Vince. I don't give a fuck. Because Vince always said, you know, I, I have an open door policy. And so I went, okay, I'm going to go fucking ask Vince. And the story I'm going to tell you right now, I've never fucking told it publicly. I've told it to people, but, you know, like family or friends and shit, but I'll tell you the story. So he says, go ask Vince. All right. And I'd ask Sean and Sean was like, ah, just, just, you know, just be aggressive is what Sean told me. So when Chris told me to go talk to Vince, I went, okay, fuck it. I'm going to go. See yeah. Vince. Yeah. You, you got a minute. Come on in, pal. All right. I walk in and there's Vince. There's triple H. So I said, Vince, I said, uh, I need to ask you something. I said, with Chris and Sean's match tonight, I said, how do you want me to play this? I said, because it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's a stoppage. And again, I took it upon myself to take the initiative to do what was right and, and how to sell this and, and what the boss was looking for, man. And I know I got a lot of misery and, 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 and heat for doing that, but I just wanted to be the best, man. I just wanted to be the best and I just wanted to learn because this was Vince fucking McMahon and this was WWE. This was his company, you know? So I just wanted to learn and I wanted to learn from Sean. I wanted to learn from Jericho. I wanted to learn from Steamboat. That, that's all it ever was, man. And I did. So I asked him, I said, what are you looking for? And what do you want this to be? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, yeah, it's a stoppage, but how do you want me to stop it? And he's sitting there and he's and he looks at me and he goes, have you ever seen Rocky? Yeah, everybody's seen Rocky. Remember in Rocky 2 where Rocky and Apollo were down? Yes, sir. He goes, do you remember how the referee was counting? Do you remember how dramatic that was? And I go, yeah, yeah. And remember at the very, very end, we're fucking Rockies getting up and Apollo's getting up and God damn it. Apollo goes down and, you know, he goes, I want something like that. That's what I want. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Fuck yeah. I know exactly what the boss wants now. And I was walking out and I went, fuck. This man just fucking did Rocky for me and, you know, went and did the match and, we, we did what we did, man. And I had that fucking stoppage and 
it, it was dramatic and it was fucking suspenseful. And I got all the fucking blood over me too, man. And I still got that referee jersey. And again, I'm always being proactive and I've always been the guy that went, hmm, I think I need to do this. So the next day at TV, we were in Bridgeport, Connecticut and Mohegan Sun. Something told me to fucking get my referee jersey. It was fucking bloody. I mean, it looked like they slaughtered a fucking pig in it to get it fucking signed. So I went down to catering and Sean was there. And I said, hey, Sean, I said, I know, I know I'm being a mark. I said, but I just need to do this. I said, can you sign this jersey from last night? I said, this is all your blood. And he goes, oh, wow. Yeah. So he signs it. And he goes, you know, I seen a website and they mentioned your name about the match last night. And I went, oh. And for me, I was like, oh, fuck. Did I do something bad? Because, you know, they mentioned me. I mean, as a referee, that's not supposed to happen. But he said, no, you know, it, it, was, it was good. It, it was something good, you know. And I went, oh, okay, cool. And again, talking to Vince and, and asking Vince what, what he wanted, you know, really gave me the perspective of what he looks for and what he wants and what his vision is. And, and the thing is, too, that what I did, and, and I tell a lot of these kid referees this, too, is that when I was training as a referee and coming up in the business and getting a lot more exposure and training and working with better guys and girls and stuff like that, it was something that needed to be real. And to me, it was always a work shoot. And what I did is I took it upon myself. And again, I took the initiative that I started watching Mills Lane, a very famous professional uh, boxing referee, Judge Mill Lanes, Mills Lane. I started watching him and I started watching how he would be aggressive with the boxers and how he would interact with them and his body language and stuff. So I took a lot of what Mills Lane did and I applied that to Marty Elias as the referee. So when I did that match at uh, Great American Bash with Sean and Jericho, I took what I had seen and learned from Mills Lane and I applied it. So when that finish happens with me shaking them off and I mean, that was a fucking shoot. That was a shoot. And yeah, that was pretty fucking cool, man. That, that, that photo is probably one of my favorite photos of all time. That photo that I sent you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Man, thanks for telling us the story because yeah. when I saw the photograph, I had to ask you about it. I was like, Man, we've got to get this on the fucking podcast because, again, uh, before this, I, I sat and I watched the match and I was like, fuck, man, what a great fucking match. I mean, like, Sean was bleeding like a stuck pig. He was literally like, it was, at one point, you could see it squirting all down onto his chest and that. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I forgot how bad that match was, but, you know, the, the bleeding was bad it was. But the, yeah, the and and, and, and I laugh because, it, again, it was a different time and stuff, is that we didn't fucking, I didn't break out my fucking gloves and fucking stop to put them on or do fucking something stupid like that. And I didn't go and call a fucking paramedic in or a fucking medic. No, we fucking kept going. Mm. Sean kept going. But again, I was talking to Sean the whole time and asking him and Sean was coherent and stuff. And, and that's the other thing, too, you know, that I always knew when one of the boys was really fucked up. You know, because I, I just from working and just gauging and knowing these guys, you know, I, I knew when Sean was good. That was it, man. Uh, sorry again to jump in, but you've just mentioned about knowing when the boys are not 
Good. And I mm-hmm. think Jordan knows where we're going to yeah, go here. There we go. Uh, AEW has had numerous occasions. Mm. How many, Jordan, would you say it's had? Three or four? Two or three? On TV, yeah. Like on, in, on pay-per-view, it's, it's, happened, it's happened too many times. One is too many for, for us anyway. But yeah, these these injuries and these, you know, what the, the 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 biggest one was Matt Hardy, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm not sure if you ever saw that one, Marty. But no, Matt. Uh, I, I tell you, man, yeah. when when I when I tell you guys that I don't fucking see professional wrestling, I mean, I don't see professional wrestling. If somebody sends me a screenshot or they send me like a news link, oh, okay, yeah, I'll check it out. Hey, what do you think is happening? So I'll give my professional opinion. You know, my experience opinion but other than that i mean i don't sit and watch it man i mean i I did sit down and i watched it uh last wednesday and you know i'll never get back those what 60 minutes two hours of my fucking (laughs) life you know i'll never get those back and again you know i'll I'll never get over being traumatized on, on how embarrassing professional wrestling is you know like that referee who had the match i met him before his name was bryce ramskin or something like that i met him nice kid nice kid you know, he, he was very respectful, but he's a fucking embarrassment to professional referees, man. And, you know, I mean, I'm being completely transparent and honest. I'm not trying to bury the kid, but it's like, dude, who the fuck taught you how to referee, man? Because that's not what you do. You know, I mean, God damn, you know, sorry about that. You just, dude, it, 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 it was something that, again, talking to you guys right now, I'm just flustered because it, it was that bad. You know, it, it wasn't even okay. It was really bad. And what people need to understand is that I'm not seeing it from the guy sitting in the front row. I'm not seeing it from the viewer who's watching it on TV. I'm seeing it from the inside out. Okay. I'm seeing it from inside the ring and being inside the ring with Undertaker, with Shawn Michaels, with CM Punk with Eddie Guerrero, with Chava Guerrero, with Chris Benoit, with Ric Flair. You want me to fucking keep going? Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going with this? It's that, you know, you, you fucking have a respect for the business, man, and, and you learn how to do your craft the right way. And unfortunately, you know, that's not happening today, man. It's like you just let them go and run wild, man. And, and to me, that's very disrespectful to the guys who came before me and before them and stuff. And, you know, I was talking to somebody recently and I told him, I said, you know, what's really scary is if professional wrestling continues its journey on where it's going right now with all the rumors and being sold and and all this stuff is that eventually there won't be anybody who knows professional wrestling working for those companies today. And that's, that's a sad thing to, to contemplate, you know, um, it, it is. Uh, I mean, it would be really interesting to hear. Uh, maybe we will send you a video uh, of what happened on these occasions. But it was a one occasion where I think um, Matt Hardy was basically knocked out cold um, oh, during yeah. a match. Sorry, I, I got to text somebody. Sorry. No worries, man. Um, so basically, yeah, um, Matt Hardy was knocked out cold during a match, and mm-hmm. the referee didn't really stop it or didn't do anything like you know they didn't they, they kind of panicked it was a deer in the headlights yeah very yeah much. it was deer in the headlights didn't know what to do and it i think was it aubrey dude yeah, it was aubrey yeah so i mean it'll be interesting to see your thoughts on what could have been done better but i mean was there ever a time where 
you know, someone was really badly injured during a match and you had to kind of. Yeah. And a matter of fact, I'm going to talk to him on my podcast, Life After Three on Killcliffe. Uh, I'm going to talk to Marty the Moth and Ultima Lucha Quattro, Ultima Lucha Four, for those non speaking people. Uh, it was Pentagon versus Marty the Moth. And Marty got color. And I knew what they were doing and I knew everything that was going to happen because most referees do, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he, he was bleeding pretty, pretty bad. And being the veteran that I am and being in the ring with guys, you, you get to know them. There's a chemistry that you have with, with guys and girls, even if it's just like you're just working for them, working with them for the first time, you just get in, you got this chemistry, man. And a lot of these kids don't have that today. So Marty was bleeding pretty bad and they still had like three or four big spots that they had to do that were going to be fucking vicious because he had already, you know, done some barbed wire. Uh, they did a, a spike bat and then he got thrown into a fucking glass plane and it, it was fucking brutal. Matter of fact, I, I got my hand full of fucking glass shards uh, uh, that night too. And after the show, I had a fucking paramedic for about, 45 minutes pulling out all these fucking shards of glass you know people don't see that part you know and again i i'm not over going on social media going selling it and things like that look at i got cut fuck you i was doing my job so anyway uh we um where were we at uh he got color got color thank you yeah i i, I knew something was coming so <laughs> he got color and they had these other two big spots that were coming up and I started asking him questions because I literally seen his color change. And I, I, I've been around enough horrible things in my life that when I see somebody injured, that I know when somebody's fucked up and he, he wasn't looking good. <clears throat> so I started asking questions and me, when I know somebody's fucked up, and again, this comes with experience, is that I would ask them their name. Not their, what's your gimmick? You know, what's your name? And if they couldn't give me their fucking full name, shoot name, all right, well, maybe. So then I would ask them, where you at? What? And sometimes they would tell me where they were at in the match. No, 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 no. Where are we at? What city are we in? And if they couldn't tell me that, then I knew that somebody was fucked up. And I would say, I would call an audible and I would say, and I would go tell somebody, you know, the, the opponent or whatever, hey, such and such is fucked up. He's not, you know, we got to take it home, dude. And we take it home and then we'd go to the back or something. And then it was like, well, what the fuck's going on? And oh, somebody fucking was bad or this and that. We went home. So, you know, our, our medics and, and, and our physicians and they would be right there. But, you know, you need to be able to gauge that as, as, as a referee, especially as a, as a professional wrestling referee. You know, you need to know when somebody's fucking cuckoo, man. And I've seen so many concussions and injuries in my fucking career that I know when somebody's fucked up, myself included. So I think that that's a lost art form that, that they don't know how to do it. And here's the thing, too, is that so many people are being rushed and pushed into certain positions as referees or wrestlers who were trying out, but now they want to make them a referee, is that you need to be able to dance on your feet when things get you know bad 
You know, you need to be able to do shit on the fly without even thinking. Like Dr. Tom told me years and years ago, you need to be able to do this with instinct. You know, that as soon as something happens, you instinctively just fucking go, man. And that's what you do. And I, I think that's a lost art. And I, I really believe that because after seeing AEW on Wednesday, that's yeah, a lost art. So would you be open to anyone calling and saying, look, these referees need some serious help. Can you come in and do see, something but, with them? See, but, but here's my opinion of that is that I'm not going to help anybody if they don't want my help, yeah. you know? And, you know, I, I don't go reaching from my phone and calling AEW or this guy or that guy to get a job because that, that's not where I'm at. But if somebody reaches out and says, Hey, you know, can you help me? Yeah, I'll help you. And, and I do that with, with uh, some referees. Matter of fact, uh, Shane chest, Shane, I'm giving you a plug brother. He's uh, he works for Al Snow at OVW and Shane reached out to me randomly on, um, on Facebook when I got back on Facebook and he reached out to me and he says, Hey, you know, I, I'd really like your help and input. He goes, because I loved everything that you've done. He goes, would you be okay with checking out my matches? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and here's the thing too, that people need to know is that more times than not, when you reach out to somebody on social media, one of the veterans, one of the boys, whatever, nine times out of 10, they're going to charge you for their time or whatever. Me, I could give a fuck, man. I mean, and the reason I'm like that, and I don't take people's money because that has happened to me throughout my career. That's not a good thing. But I look at it from this point of view is that I want to help these people because if they're willing to listen and learn like I was, then that means that they're halfway there. But at the same time, I want to see people achieve their dream, especially in professional wrestling. I want to see people get to WrestleMania. I want to see people main event WrestleMania. I want to see people, you know, do Monday Night Raw because I was able to do it. And there was a lot of motherfuckers that helped me along the way, you know, and I want to give that back. And I want to see people in my payment, like I tell them, is that I want to see you succeed. That's my payment. When, you fuss, when you're successful, then that's fucking great. And I'll give you a prime example of somebody that I did that with. I did that with Bailey. The reason why Bailey got signed to WWE is because I gave her shit to Funaki. Because wow. I'd seen her at an independent show. And I pulled her aside. And I said, hi, what's your name? Marty Lice. She didn't know who the fuck I was. Like a lot of these kids don't. But that's okay. You know, look me up. So... She was, she was in a tag team and I seen her and I pulled her aside. She just had the it factor. Okay. And when people say the it factor, that shit is real. And I, I, I think I've been around enough fucking talent and entertainment, acting, movies, television, music, professional wrestling. But when I see fucking talent, I know fucking talent. So she just had something about her and I pulled her aside and I said, Hey, introduce myself. And she says, uh, I said, what's your name? And uh, she said, Davina. I said, no. So what's, what's your real name? Uh, she goes, Pam. I go, Pam. She goes, well, my name is Pamela Martinez. I went, okay. Marty. And I said, hey, I said, uh, would you happen to have any photos or, 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 or have any type of, you know, videos or anything like that, you know, that you can send me? And she goes, why? I said, well, I want to send them to somebody. 
I said, but if you got something, I'd appreciate it. I said, here's my email. I said, when you get a minute, I said, email me. Okay. I said, send me a little bio. So she did. And, but before she did that, before I walked away from her, I told her I was going to send it to Funaki. And Funaki at the time was, was doing more stuff with Japan. So she told the story later that when I gave my st her stuff to Funaki, she thought it was going to be for Japan. She didn't know it was for WWE. So when I gave Funaki her stuff, he took it to the office. And it just so happened that they were doing tryouts, I think, the next two weeks. And she went down to a, a camp with William Regal, uh, Scott Armstrong, uh, Bill DeMott. Uh, who else was there? A few others were there. And she got signed two weeks later to WWE. And I'm the guy that, you know, seen her, thought she had it. And I gave it to Funaki. And see, but nobody hears those fucking stories. Nobody tells those stories. But the only time Bailey's ever acknowledged that was on Stone Cold's podcast. Because he asked her, you know, how'd you, oh, uh, Marty Elias? Okay. So, but hey, you know, I may have been at WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean that's I mean if you're only going to tell it on one podcast then maybe Stone Cold is the one to tell it yeah you know and, and I pop because people be like Stone Cold said your name and I'm like what Bailey talked about you so that that was very cool that was very cool but you know for the for the typical wrestling fan who knows professional wrestling and doesn't know who I am or or what I've done you know I'm just like no I mean there's a, and, and this applies to Mike Kyoto. It applies to Jimmy Corderas and a lot of the other guys, John Cone. I mean, John Cone's the talent manager, road manager now. And, you know, Kyoto did a bunch of great shit. And, you know, Jimmy Corderas is doing his own, you know, referee thing. And, you know, he was doing stuff with Aftermath. And, you know, so there, there's a lot of stuff that referees have done that people don't have a fucking clue, man. And, you know, that they just feel that, you know, you're this this referee or you're that guy and, and and they perceive you as what the business perceives you as and it's like no man there's there's a lot more to us and, and and to me that that's the thing by doing these podcasts and having my own podcast now and just getting out there and just being fucking completely honest that you know that all of us referees you know the jimmy corderas's the chad patton's the you know scott armstrong's the goose mahoney's west adams you know all those cats man i mean you know charles robinson i mean you know, Joy Morella, you know, I mean, just the list goes on and on. Tommy Young, Earl Hebner, Brian Hebner. I mean, dude, we, we were part of a fucking cool era, man, of referees, you know, and you don't fucking have that today, man. And, and it's sad because there's a brotherhood that I don't think these motherfuckers even have a clue of what it's about. And, you know, it's sad that, you know, referees aren't acknowledged. And, you know, I remember Kevin Dunn when, when they stopped, saying referees names on at WWE that was Kevin Dunn he went to Vince and said that referees are irrelevant and he told Vince that nobody pays to see a referee so that's why they stopped saying our names on WWE television you know Michael Cole lets it slip every now and again but you know that that's what that happened and then right around that time too when I was just getting into WWE uh John Laurinaitis decided that you know referees didn't deserve royalties so they fucking took all the royalties away from referees 
Man. Ah. I, I mean, yep. you, you were ultimately still performers. You were still yeah. performers, still taking fucking bumps. Still on camera, yeah. Still on camera, you know. Um, it's That's crazy, you know. But that is... Again, this is another reason why we wanted you on the show, Marty. This is why we reached out because referees we know are an integral part of professional wrestling. Oh yeah, and, huge. You know, huge fucking part. huge. And, and and you know that's the thing too. Within the last few years, that I've embraced that man and what I've done. You know, to have like my nephew's friends come and tell me, "Oh my God, you're fucking Marty Elias." What? I don't even fucking know you, dude. And my nephew, you know, I text him last week, you know, Conrad, love you, kid. So he 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 says, we're watching your matches. And what the fuck? So he sends me a photo and they're watching the Royal Rumble 2008 from MSG. And, and, and he goes, and you're on TV. He goes, my, my, my boys are blown away. And I went, well, what the fuck? So, but it's funny because in talking to him, and this is something that I never realized, he goes, there's millions of guys like me, my age, who know who the fuck you are. Uh, what he goes, the matches and those moments that you were in, he, you know, because he told me over Christmas, he goes, I, I, I can't believe that I, uh, you know, that you're sitting in front of me. He goes, I'm gonna be honest. He goes, I've always wanted to mark out for you and geek out. He goes, but you were always just so cool and just down to earth at you know, birthdays or get togethers and shit. He goes, I never wanted to bother you with that. And I said, yeah, dude, what do you want to fucking know, man? And that's something that it was like, it was an epiphany that, oh my God, I, I have those moments that these guys like yourself and my nephew have. And those are moments that are going to fucking always stick with you guys. And I never realized that and I never embraced it, but I do today. And I'm so fucking humbled and blown away that you motherfuckers like yourselves, you know, loved what I did. And, and that just gives me validity to say that I did a great fucking job at what I did and that people still remember me and I was able to give them these moments was no different than Motley Crue and Kiss giving me my moments. So thank you. Thank you, Marty. You know, um, I, I don't know if there's uh, anything else Jordan wants to uh There's any other questions you got for Marty? I think, I think that's the perfect way to wrap it. I mean, I, I mean, apart from telling the world that, you know, you can catch live after three on, sorry, it's, it is, it's a Joe Rogan network, but it's. Yes, maybe, platform. It's yeah. his platform, Kill, yeah. Yeah, Kill Cliff. You can go to uh, the Kill Cliff uh, TV uh, YouTube channel, or you can go to uh, Kill Cliff, uh, you can download the app, Kill Cliff TV, uh, register your email and stuff, and look up uh, in the search engine, look for Marty Lies or Life After Three. And it's there. Brings TV, same thing. You guys can go there and, you know, you guys can actually play trivia and, and win some prizes and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I'm just as happy as a pig and shit to be involved with Joe Rogan, especially right now with, you know, all, all the all the stuff that's happening with him and stuff, you know. And, you know, again, this is the type of content that Joe Rogan absolutely fucking loves. And this is his MO. So to be a part of it. And again, you know, am I going to be honest? Yeah. Am I going to be transparent? Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to fucking talk about myself, too, and, and the stupid shit that I did as well, because, you know, if I don't do that, you know, will I be a fucking liar? Yeah, I'm a fucking liar, you know, but I'm not going to go that way, you know, but I'm going to 
talk about things about referees and, and, and what it was and what it's not. And, you know, some of the cool people that I fucking had an opportunity to work with and get to know, man. And, you know, it, it's something that, like I said, I have no desire to go to WWE, no desire to go to AEW or anybody else. And, you know, it's funny because people have asked me if I was going to go to MLW because they're doing the Azteca Lucha Underground. And I said, I don't need to go there. And why not, man? Because I did the original. It's real simple, man. It's real simple. You know, and people don't fucking get that. You know, I'm at peace with the business, man. I'm at peace with myself. You know, I don't need to go chase that because I already did that. You know, I love life. You know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And nobody can take that away from me. So Joe Rogan and his people at Kill Cliff, you know, Courtney, Alex, you know, all those folks, God bless you. Victory Amps, you know, uh, those guys have given me an opportunity to fucking, uh, you know, do the Kill Cliff thing. And, you know, I, I wanted to be uh, politically correct at first, but I said, no, you know what, that, that's, I'm not that way, man. I, I'm going to tell things the way they were and from my perspective and you know i'm not going to be an evil prick and and bury people you know i'll do it very subtly but um <laughs> i uh you know I, I i've had a great life and i've had a great fucking career man and it's not over and the fact that i've never talked about it and really shared things and all these fucking stories you know with music you know with dana strum who's my fucking mentor and fucking superhero without a cape, you know, I've known him since he was, since I was 17 years old and I met him in LA in the eighties, man. And I still talk to him, you know, and, and that's why I'm where I'm at today because I've had people like Dana Strum who have influenced me and fucking been there and really know that whenever I do something, I'm going to give you a hundred percent. I'm not going to fucking be lazy. I'm going to work my ass off and do more and go above and beyond because that's my MO. And, and what's really cool. And I think I'll leave you guys with this is that people can say all they want to say about WWE. They can say anything about, about Vince. But one of the things that, that, that I will always take with me is his fucking work ethic. Because if you can work for Vince McMahon, you can fucking work for anybody. There you go. Yeah. A great, a great place to leave it. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, you can catch Marty on uh, Life After Three on Kill Cliff. Um, check him out. There it is in the background. That's a sweet logo, man. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a sweet logo. And I'm sure there's going to be a fuck ton of stories. Um, and like you know, he's he's spilling the tea. He's literally just telling it how it is, how it was. And to be honest, though, Marty, I mean, you, they say in the wrestling business, never say never. And let's hope that sometimes someone does give you a call and say, dude, these fuckers we got here in the black and white shirts, they're, they're not what they should be. Get down here and tell them how to fucking get it done. You know what? I, I really, I'm here with, with that. And just, it's not even a thought, you know, because again, it goes back to, waiting for that call one last call. sure you know, it's yeah like, i i don't i don't think about that man because that's not where i'm at could i go do it fuck yeah and i'd fucking run circles around everybody even at fucking 54 years old you know i could still whoop their asses but <laughs> it, it's it's not something that i'm looking forward to you know and again if i ever ever do anything with professional wrestling i'm gonna fucking take their money 
you know, that, that, that's the old school way of doing it, you know, and there's where I'm at today. Professional wrestling, I've already gave them my fucking blood, sweat and tears, man, for fucking years. So it's my time to fucking take their money, man. But again, nobody's going to call. Nobody's going to because if, if they wanted to call, they would have called a long time ago, you know, and if, if, if I'm not good enough or have the experience or the knowledge that they're looking for, then fuck, they can go find somebody else. You know, I'm not going to go fucking crawling and go and knocking on their fucking door. Fuck, I'll go work at fucking Walmart or McDonald's, man, because that's a fucking living too, man. And that's what people don't get, man. Go make a fucking living, man. Doesn't matter how you do it, but just be a great human being and, and be fucking kind to people and say please and thank you at the end of the day. You know, fuck, I can go work at Walmart and fucking have a life. You know, the, the, and, and that's the perspective where I'm at today is that I don't need the fucking lights and the glitz and glam of being on the fucking road. I've already done it, man. And what's really sad about it is that I gave everything to it, but I lost everything at the same time, man. So, you know, I love where I'm at. Love, that, love where I'm at. That's great, man. And we will be checking out life after three. And um, I mean, if you've got time coming up in the future, man, we'd love to have you back on. Um, we'll send you some bits and bobs. Maybe we can do a couple of watch-alongs or something like that. You know, yeah. we'll keep, our, we'll keep our eye out for that book as well. I'm the minute yeah. you mentioned book because I'm a bit of a I'm I'm a book nut. Like I'm, you know, my my ears completely like heated up. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Do me a favor, guys. When you guys uh, when we end this, Chris, if you can send me your guys' addresses, I'll I'll send you guys some cool fucking uh, photos and some guitar picks and some cool Marty Lai shit stickers and stuff. Man, oh, nice. much appreciated, dude. Yeah, fucking no A, man. Fucking A. Yeah. And we've enjoyed every moment of this. Um, it's Thank been you. incredible. Um, being able to chat with you, someone who and you are imprinted in our memories. You have created those moments for us, yeah. and we'll be forever grateful. And, and I'm humbled, I'm humbled and fucking so grateful, you know, because that's something that I never I never thought about. Thanks a lot, man. Thank it's you been guys. fucking All incredible. Right. Be blessed, guys, but be a good fucking human being at the end of the day and, you know, do well. See ya. Thanks, Thank man. You, Take care. Take care. Well, how do you feel, Chris? Um, Marty, Marty Elias, just wow. Marty fucking Elias, man. It was when, when, and shout out again to my boy Shane, yeah? You remember we were sitting in your flat, bruv, watching WrestleMania 25, and Marty was the referee for this, for, for, for Taker versus Shawn Michaels. We were watching the match. Would we have ever dreamed that I would get to, uh, with my main man, JB, get to interview the referee from that fucking match, bro? Hell no. But fuck, we just did it. And... It was good. Oh, man. We cannot thank Marty enough for agreeing to come on, coming on, telling us what he's told us. Man, life. Um, what a what a career he's had. Like, and it's 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 so different to hear from it's still inside the ring, but not be you know being pushed as the stars in the show. It's it's a it's a view and a half and I really hope everyone has enjoyed this. It's a different so it's, perspective, yeah. for sure. From from the referee's point of view, it is a completely different perspective. And, um, I mean, fuck, listen to his podcast, Life After Three, <laughs> um, on Killcliffe. Go and check it out. Um, 
I'm sure he, he, he said he's something like five episodes in. Um, it's only going to get better from there. It's only going to get yeah. better. You know, he's just kicking off, really. Um, and he was, you know, I, I love it. The fact he was talking about WWF Heat, Sunday Night Heat, and all my figures behind there, baby, are all <laughs> Sunday Night Heat. Um, that's one of the main collections that I have is, is are my Heat figures. Um, but yeah, man, it was fucking great. Just hearing, again, hearing the expanded story about Santino Morella, because obviously Anthony, Anthony Corelli, our first interview with anyone in the business that we had on this channel. Um, yeah. Shout out to Anthony Corelli. And uh, obviously Marty just expanded that story a little bit with the uh, <laughs> with that night in Milan. Um, yes, definitely. Um, man, what a what a night this was. Um, I will say I sincerely hope your parsnips are buttered in this. Right. My, my parsnips are fully buttered, margarined, fucking honeyed up. I, they are oh, <laughs> mate. honeyed as well, man. Honeyed, yeah. uh, honeyed my parsnips. Um, we, we again, but this, we, oh, fucking hell. We just keep, we just keep doing it. We've got another, couple lined up as well um our itinerary is 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 looking peak right now fam we're not stopping we're you not know. stopping bro we're doing it so if you can check us out on all various platforms that we're on jordan we're on you know jordan is the the multimedia mogul fam he is on the twitter all the time he's non-stop on the gram he is fucking doing that shit At he's on the facebook pop, baby Trust me, bruv. Hashtag grapple pops. So we're on the red bubble as well. So you can pick up some merch. Check out the Ico Pro Jacked Awards. A uh, bit dodgy to see it with the light, but that is the Ico Pro Jacked Awards winner hoodies that we've got out here oh, with uh, myself and JB's beautiful fucking mugs on there, bruv. If you want to be an Ico Pro winner, um, yeah, catch that shit. We'll have all the links everywhere, every, every link for. You know, for Redbubble, for you know, subscribing, especially subscribing, subscribe to this, subscribe to this shit. Subscribe. We need, we need to keep, we need to keep pushing. Touch that bell, slap you know, that if bell. You're, if you're listening on Apple, give us a five star. Go on, come what on, give us them five star reviews. reviews. Hit, it, hit it up. You know, push us, push us up those charts. Push us into like you have been already. You know, we. It's mad that we even get in the charts. We never thought that would even be a thing. But we are humble. We, you know, we love each and every one of you that subscribes, listens, checks it out, shares, you know, all of that stuff. You know, if we, you really we, want to, if you really want to be cool, you'll buy yourself a t-shirt with our faces on it, or you know, just the logo or a hat or a Anything. or anything a travel mug you know all sorts of crazy shit that can you know will make you look way cooler than you did like before you bought one trust bro i mean we we are we are constantly um amazed and humbled as if we are being fucked by the iron sheik um we <laughs> have been fully humbled uh, and had our backs broken by your generosity and your kind words and your interactions, the likes, the shares, um, and obviously as well by the fucking the, the by the guys that we have on the show, all of the guys that we've spoken to on this podcast, all the wrestlers, and now the you know 
uh, Marty, the referee, you know, we, we just anyone in the business, we are fucking fully humbled that they have given us our t- their, their time for free to come on here and just chat with us. You know, it is just, you know, and we are talking about Joe Rogan's platform. We are the fucking Joe Rogan's of wrestling interviews, bruv. The long form chats. Yeah. I'll take the long form chat. I don't know. The long, yeah. the rest of it right we now. can be slightly controversial as well, but you know what I mean? The oh, long boy. form chats, bruv. You know, we, we have these guys on and, you know, we say, look, you know, even an hour would be incredible, but we regularly go into two and a half, three hour chats with these guys and we are fully, fully grateful and had our backs broken and humbled as if the Iron Sheik is panting behind us. So thank you again for Marty Elias for being on the show. Thank you for every other person that we've had on the show right from the beginning, which was Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, all the way through to now. We've got some, we've got definitely got two more in the near future lined up. We've got other things waiting to come back on. We're fucking, we're just, we're just keeping pushing, bro. We keep going. And we will get a review out soon. Uh, we <laughs> will we? <laughs> I don't know, bro. Maybe we've got another review coming. We've got other bits in the pipeline. So, but until then, fucking the main man, JB. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, from myself, from you know, thank you to Marty Elias for being Marty Elias and coming on. As usual, thank you to the best Chris in all of wrestling podcasts. Take from that what you will when I say this. Anyone (laughs) else that wants to, you know, challenge me on this, come see me. Come see me. Roll up. Um, Thank you to everyone that stuck around for this. We love you all. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Peace.